When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. center outside the city of chicago in the great midwest it's the stranger than fiction news right here on the fringe fm i'm vance nesbitt here's our headlines this week marks the anniversary of the current ebola outbreak centered in the democratic republic of the congo first declared back on august 1st of last year in the nation's province of north kivu It has sickened more than 2,500 people and killed close to 1,700, making it the second-worst outbreak after the one between 2014 and 2016 in West Africa, which sickened more than 28,000 people and killed more than 11,000. On July 17th, the World Health Organization declared the largest outbreak a public health emergency of international concern its highest level of alarm. Following this designation, the World Bank released up to $300 million for a global response effort. But despite the availability, funding, vaccines, and treatment, people continue to be infected and die from the disease, including in areas where it was once stamped out. It is also now hitting more populous regions. A second confirmed Ebola death has recently been reported in Goma, a city of 2 million residents and a major travel hub. Source, Scientific American. And China unveils more plans for its enormous alien-hunting radio telescope. China has unveiled its latest plans for the world's biggest radio telescope to look for habitable planets beyond our solar system by finding out if they have a magnetic field. Published in the journal Research in Astronomy and Astrophysics, the team behind the 500-meter Aperture Spherical Radio Telescope, otherwise known as FAST, has announced its ambitions for the next decade, 
including the hunt for exoplanets. FAST, as the name suggests, is a 1,600-foot wide telescope and sits in the Dang Depression of the Guzhou province and has achieved its first light in September of 2016. One of the main scientific missions of FAST is to listen for pulsars and other interstellar radio signals, including any coming from hypothetical extraterrestrials. Source, Newsweek.com. And the latest in a skunk ape update. Out of Tampa Bay, Florida, when Cryptozoology News was contacted on Monday, January 26, by Matt, a man who believed he had captured footage of a skunk ape in a Florida swamp. But the majority of the viewers were skeptical about the film. The video abruptly interrupts before and after the alleged sighting, has now grabbed the attention of hundreds of thousands of Bigfoot enthusiasts and skeptics alike across the Internet, and who have declared it it's still too early to determine its authenticity. Matt also admitted to having talked to a park ranger at the Lettuce Lake Park, although the name of this person was not disclosed. But on a three-minute call placed to Lettuce Lake Park Thursday, a man claiming to be a park ranger told Cryptozoology News that it was not possible for them to talk about the matter. Of course, the source here, CryptozoologyNews.com. And now let's wrap up this week with a final fun fact. The flashes of colored lights you see when you rub or press your eyes are called phosphenes. This has been the Stranger Than Fiction News on the Fringe FM. Again, I'm Vance Nesbitt, news anchor and sorcerer. Broadcasting from a shack on a hill in the mossy creek bottoms of Cane Creek, 
Arkansas. This is Lighting the Void. I'm Joe Roop, and damn, it's good to be back. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It is Monday night, I believe, August the 12th. That's right, on into the 13th. Tonight, we welcome back the one and only David Matheson. One of my favorite, favorite conversations I had a long time ago, and it was actually... Uh, well, it wasn't too long ago, but it was one of the first conversations I had about the night sky, the stars, our cosmos. What are these signs? What are they saying? The philosophy of it, how it relates to us. And it was such a deep conversation. I couldn't wait to talk to him again. I just couldn't wait. And I know I sound a little rundown, and I apologize. I'm about 95%. Um, I got one of those uh, summer, I don't know what you call it, viruses, bugs, or whatever. I wasn't taking my Allison. I'll just admit it. Uh, but I got one of those bugs and uh, summertime, and it really took everything out of me. I mean, it took everything out of me. And so I want to apologize to all of you that I have not been there for that listen to the show on a nightly basis and let you know just how much I really do appreciate you and that, yes, the show must go on. Uh, but sometimes, you know, things happen, but I really, really do appreciate you. I've got a lot of messages and a lot of emails from a lot of people and, um, I'm trying to get my energy back in the swing of things. Uh, I haven't had time to destroy all the crickets. So you may still hear some in the background. Uh, I get in trouble for hurting any crickets, but they're back too. And it's just really good to be back. That's all I want to say. All right. So let's get this thing going. First and foremost, this show is brought to you by GetTheTea.com. We had to reschedule the webinar today. It was kind of weird because I'm the producer of the webinar, and I go in there, and a lot of you guys showed up today, and thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, and all I could do was just talk in darkness, so you got a black screen with me saying, Ronnie can't be here. We're going to reschedule for next Monday. Make sure you go to GetTheTea.com. Take advantage of the deal on the front page. This stuff is not for you to – it's not a health cliche. It's not for you to take because – uh, I want you to take it. It's because we're on the defense now. Any of you guys that have taken a salt bath or anything like that, that watched the metal come off of your body, you ha- you're, in a, you're in defense now. So this is the stuff to take, not only because it's the best, but the guy running this company is one of the only guys I know who really does care, and he's out for you. And go check out his YouTube channel, too, Health Matters Now. Uh, he does one-on-ones, just real intimate sessions there, too. Also, uh, this show is brought to you by get the uh, ancientlifeoil.com. I get those two confused because it's the same guy so much. Got to have the CBD oil stuff. If you know what I'm talking about, if you've done your research on any studies. And I want you to go check out a show I did with my buddy, Roger Landry, over at the Liberty Beacon Project, where we did a can, uh, can of scent show. He had me and Ron Patton from Ground Zero on the show, and we discussed our upbringing uh, with things like cannabis and CBD and what we learned about it. Uh, it was a really good show. It was a really good time. And also prepare with the fringe.com so you don't get caught unawares. And my buddy at UFO Seekers is back in action. I can tell you guys, for all of you that have been asking me that what's Tim up to? What's he doing? He's, he's, he went back to the drawing board a little bit, but he had some work he had to do. And he is going to go back out there at it. He's actually really stoked to go back and do some more investigating he messaged me, told me how happy he was about it. So everything is is moving the way it should. Uh, but I feel like we've done like a really good reset, okay? But if you've had a sighting you'd like to report, go give them a call at 661-UFO-7889. Check out the website, ufoseekers.com. 
All right, so let's get into the show tonight. Now, I'm going to mention some other things, some shout-outs during the show when I come in and out of breaks. I just want to get this conversation going, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. If you love the night sky, if you're one of those people that go out and you look at the night sky and you're just drawn to the stars, and I'm not talking about fairy tale Disney stuff here. I'm talking about you know there's something to this. You know there's something to that sky and what's up there. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and Anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I get a type of a homey feeling. Then you're going to love this, this show. David Warner Matheson is the author of a new series of books entitled Star Myths of the World and How to Interpret Them, which diagrams the astonishing evidence that Virtually all the myths, scriptures, and sacred stories of humanity from all regions of our planet and across the millennia are based upon a common system of celestial metaphor. Star Myths of the World, Volume 1, was released on late 2015 and examines the celestial foundation of myths from Australia, Africa, the Americas, ancient Egypt, ancient Sumer and Babylon, ancient India, China, and Japan. Future volumes will continue the analysis through ancient Greece and beyond, including the stories of the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, links to discussions of over 80 different star myths, as well as discussions of many other related topics, can be found on his website at davidmatheson.com, also starmythworld.com. David, man, it's really good to have you back on the show. Thanks for coming. Hi, Joe, and thanks for having me, and hello out there to everybody who's listening across the country and around the world on fringe fm yeah brother yeah i don't until the last time you were on here i don't remember if we were on the fringe fm or not honestly because I, I really don't do you i don't believe that you were but um so i guess that's a radio station or or web-based yeah. radio station that you started right yeah and me and a buddy of mine dave cruz and then dave left out and then eric stepped in uh, to help me kind of run the thing. And yeah, we've been kicking and getting a lot of different shows and stuff on there. So yeah, that's kind of crazy that you bring that up. Uh, it well, has been that long since I talked to you, yeah. hasn't it? I think so. Well, I'm not really positive, but I'm happy to be back and I'm looking forward to our conversation. And I hope that uh, the Lighting the Void community will, society will enjoy the conversation as well. Well, certainly will, man. They've gotten a lot bigger. Um, it's gotten a lot bigger than it was before. And I think a lot of that has to do with the networking between several different truth seekers and shows. And you've been on a lot of shows, man. Like I could literally, and for the listeners, you could get, go on a David Matheson marathon if you wanted to at any point in time, you know, you could just get on YouTube or your podcast player and 
go full blown David Matheson. So, how many shows do you think you've been on by now? Can you even take a guess? Yeah, I don't actually know. So, on my, you know, I try and put a lot of content out there. I'm trying sure. to explain what I'm exploring in the myths and the stars. And I have a website called it's star myths of the world, but the URL is just starmythworld.com, Like you said, and on that, there's a little menu that you can click on that has videos. So I think I'm up to over a hundred videos now on my YouTube channel. And then I have a blog, which is actually well over 1,100 posts on the blog, but there's also a podcast um, selection on the menu. So <laughs> you can go back through some of the podcasts that I've been on. Actually, not all of the ones that I've been on are even up on my website just because some of them have now taken them down or just disappeared into the fog of time. So, but there's a bunch of podcasts on there. So, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always interested to see where the conversation will go. Every single individual on the planet obviously has a different background, different interests, different perspective on things. So I never know exactly where the questions will take us. So I'm looking forward to our conversation tonight. Yeah. And the last time me too, man. And the last time I talked to you, we, I asked you, and I'm in kind of in a different space right now. And this is what I want to talk to you about because I, I was kind of searching out some answers about the stars and how I seen, uh, the, the mythologies of, certain constellations in biblical texts and that I knew that there was something to it. Right. And I wasn't trying to, you know, and we, we made it real clear that we weren't being anti-Christian or anything. We just really wanted to express this deeper truth that, that you understood that you were trying to talk about. And, um, I remember going down that road with you. Now I'm starting to feel a different path and it has to do with kind of like alchemy and it still has to do with philosophy and everything but there is um there is definitely something that i think first and foremost i want to discuss with you real quick that draws us to the stars like that draws us there is no other feeling that i get when i look at the night sky than it's so unique it makes me feel like kind of home right like there's something there that i that i know i'm from or something you know what i mean well and i think that's a really interesting uh place to start and really interesting personal insight. So, you know, I have always loved looking at the stars since I was very young. My dad would take me out to look at the stars and I used to use the star outlining, the constellation outlining system that was suggested by H.A. Ray, which I just made a new video about. He has this book called The Stars, A New Way to See Them that was published in 1952. But actually, I would argue that it could be titled his book could also be titled the stars an extremely ancient way to see them because the way that he outlines them turns out to match up with ancient texts turns out to match up with ancient artwork so we can come back to that subject but even since i was little i loved going out to look at the stars when uh when you're out camping or something you know how much brighter and closer the stars feel when you're away from the city lights. And I was in the army for a long time. I was in the infantry. So I was sleeping out or usually not even sleeping during the night. You'd be doing stuff in the middle of the night, but you sometimes 
we'd be in the jungle type swamp. I did jungle training down in Panama or swamp training in Florida, but sometimes we'd be out in the desert in the deserts of around El Paso in New Mexico or the deserts in Southern California around Fort Irwin, California near Death Valley and the stars in the desert are just unbelievable. So yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, I kind of think of the stars as almost can become like familiar friends. You can, you can take up stargazing as a hobby without uh, spending almost any money at all. It just takes really your time to go out and get away a little bit from the streetlights. And, um, and the metaphor that I use is kind of like if you go to a bar in a strange town where you've never been before, everybody's going to be unfamiliar and you're going to feel weird. But if you go there every night, if you go there night after night, after night, after night, after a few weeks, you'll start to recognize some people. And after a while, you'll know, well, that guy always sits over there or, you know, that person kind of sits over there and you'll actually, they'll start to become your friends. And that's what will happen with the constellations. You go out night after night and at first you feel like a total stranger, but after a while they'll become your uh, they'll become familiar to you, and pretty soon they'll become your close friends. So, it's, it's uh, truly is a lifelong study, though, right? The mythology, the the stories, the the journeys, and of uh, each, I guess you can say, um, archetypes. All that. It's you, you think it's a short study, but it's really a lifelong study of mythology. Yeah. So the the connection between the myths and the stars has actually been hinted at for thousands of years. You can find hints of it in the writings of Plato, in the writings of Aristotle, in a philosopher a little bit later than those called Macrobius, in some of the um, you know other writings from the ancient times. It was pretty clear that they understood this connection. And um, I really think, well, first of all, when you're out under... So I, another metaphor I use is the writing of Moby Dick by Herman Melville. And everybody's heard of Moby Dick, but um, if you ever try and read through that book, it's really thick and it's really dense. And a lot of people get bogged down in it and they, you know, whatever reason they thought of to read Moby Dick, you know, probably sounded exciting. Ooh, <laughs> you know, this hunt of this whale. Yeah. But then they read it and they're like, what is all these chapter after chapter about Nothing. You know, the details of whaling, you know, the cutting up the whale and what he was doing. Melville was writing this book and he was searching for a metaphor that was big enough to encompass all the deep, deep philosophy that he wanted to explore. He was exploring things about is there free will? Is there predestination? Is there a God? Is there fate? And he needed something really big to pour all these ideas into and and he found it in the ocean the ocean is enormous and this you know it's vast and it makes us feel a sense of awe and if you read Moby Dick you'll realize that he's he's talking about oh I'm in the whale boat and I've got this rope around me and you know when I throw the the harpoon the whale rope goes out and then the whale takes off with it and that rope can pull you under. And then he's, and then he'll turn the corner on his metaphor and say, we're actually all in this situation. The rope is like 
you know, fate or something. He'll compare it to something and he'll say, you never know when that rope can just pull you over the edge and drag you under the deep following whale, you know, and, and you'll be like, whoa, he's not really talking about whaling. He's talking about something much deeper and bigger. And of course I don't condone hunting and killing whales, but he was looking for this deep metaphor that he could only find something really big to tackle these really big subjects, and he found it in the vast ocean. Well, the myths that were given to humanity in all the different parts of the world use something also as vast and as deep and as infinite, and they use the night sky. And when we're looking into the night sky, we're actually looking into the infinite. I mean, we're literally looking into the infinity, right? When you look out into space, that's the universe. And they use, the myths use this realm, just like Herman Melville used the ocean and all these things that make you feel a sense of awe, like whales plunging under the ocean in the night or, you know, (laughs) phosphorescence glowing in the waves that give you a sense of awe. And that's what the, the myths do that with the stars. And so I think when you say, you know, I feel like... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's a sense of home, but also maybe a place that we come from. I think that's what they are using the myths for. When we look up into the sky, we see the stars rising up, just like the sun rises up out of the east. And then they kind of wheel overhead in this arcing pattern, this arch, and then they sink down into the west. And they're using that vast motion of this silent, they even compare the the infinite heavens to this silent sea, um, this silent ocean, you know, uh, that's wheeling overhead. They are expressing aspects of the human condition that we're experiencing in this incarnate life, I, I would argue. So, wow, uh, just, man. that just is a, a sincerely deep, brother. And that is like, that hit me, you know. And when you were talking about Mo- Moby Dick, I definitely did that. I started, I tried to read it like three times. I'm like, I can't, I can't, you know, like I, I thought I was going to read the story because I like to read stories, you know, but it was, uh, yeah. You're right. I couldn't well, read it because I, I didn't see that. You know, well, it, was that the first it, thing you yeah. saw? Was that book uh, when you really started getting into it, or what got no, you into no. the myths of everything? Well, that's a great question. But I'll just say that I think that same experience that you just related with Moby Dick happens to a lot of people with the myths. You know, we're 
we're often exposed to myths as a child, you know, Zeus and Hercules or Heracles with his, the 12 labors. And we're like, whoa, this sounds so enticing and awesome. But um, some of us maybe have the experience as an adult reading the myths and going, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch of bizarre stuff in here. Well, I see why they kind of cut this out of the kids version. I mean, there's some very off-putting things in the myths. And I would argue that it's kind of like that same experience that you just expressed with Moby Dick, where if you don't realize that it's a metaphor, they're telling us these awesome things, but they're doing it in a metaphorical language. So if you just read it without speaking that language, you might go, you might have this experience of saying, yeah, you know, I tried to get closer to the myths, but the more I started reading them, the weirder they got and the more yeah. uh, bizarre they got. And I just kind of gave up on them. Well, that's because they're speaking this celestial language. So then you asked, how did I get into this? And I would say, I've actually always loved the myths as well. You know, I had that experience of actually having a lot of exposure to the myths as a child. And I had the opportunity to even teach I, I majored in, I went to the military academy at West Point, And of course you get a lot of, they don't give you a lot of choices of classes at West Point. They say, yeah, you're going to take physics this semester. You're going to take chemistry this semester. You're going to take engineering this semester. You're going to take military science, you know, but they do give you, um, after two years there, you get a chance to choose your major. And I majored in English. It actually wasn't my, I, I was actually, I don't tell this story too often. I don't think I've told it on any podcast, but they make you, or at least when I was there, this was back in the eighties, actually, they make you go to two different departments. You can't just choose. There was a night where you had to go around like open house to, to visit different departments before you make your choice. It was really smart. So you can't just go to one cause you may already have in your head, oh, I'm going to major in this. So I went to, I was going to, I was all set to major in military history. You know, I'd seen the movie Patton and now I was going to major in military history. And so I went to military history and they gave, they gave their open house. And then I had to do one other. And I was really good at English literature. You know, I just, I'm not saying that to brag. I, I won like even some national level writing awards in high school. And, you know, I, I had pretty good feedback and, I really enjoyed English. So I went to English too, because you had to. And they had this old colonel who had a mustache, which is really unusual and smoked a pipe, which was really unusual. <laughs> and he got up there and he said, well, you know, a lot of people come to the English department to see our open house because they think it's going to be an easy major. But I have to tell you, it's not, you probably, you probably won't get good grades here. You might not even like it. And, oh, uh, man. But, but you're going to learn about what it really means to be alive. And, cool. and that's what we're about. And then he kind of, he was kind of like using reverse psychology or whatever, but I was like, I think I'm going to major in English. Yeah. So I mean, I, he was letting you know like <laughs> the, the, how he felt about it, how serious he was yeah. about it. Yeah. And so I did. And, uh, and his name was Colonel McIntosh, if he's listening, but, uh, this was a long, long time ago, but that changed, uh, you know, that changed the course of the classes that I was taking for the for my last two years there. So I loved Beowulf, you know, the Beowulf right. myths. I wrote I, so later and I did very well at that. And the English department 
particularly some of the professors there who were, you know, really helpful and mentors to me, wanted me to come back and teach. After So in the after West Point, I went off into the infantry. I was in the 82nd Airborne and jumping out of airplanes and crawling in the mud and learning how to use tactics and machine guns and all kinds of uh, – it was fun and interesting and mentally challenging and, um, you know, it's a – it's a, you're battling against other people who are, have intellects of their own and are looking at the map to see how they can get around your flank, you know, while you're trying to get around their flank. So it's uh, never a dull moment. But I got a chance to go back and teach at West Point and I got to teach the Odyssey, which had already always been one of my favorites as a child. So I um, I forget how we got uh, how I got onto the story. Yeah, well, well, that's because you're into going into we're up against the break, anyways. But I asked yeah. you how you got into it, and I, look, look, I do the same thing. Like if somebody asked me how I got into the esoteric, the uh, and the occult, and all this other stuff, I would I would always start like in my high school years for some reason. I can't just say. Uh, you know, it was this one time when I had this uh, paranormal event that happened or whatever. It's because I think the reason why you answered it that way is because a lot led you to it, right? A lot of stuff led you to it. And, uh, we got to take a break by the way, uh, as we're going into the break, you are going to be at, uh, the contact in the cabin event with Grimerica. I want to tell you guys about that. It's really cool. These things sell out really fast. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll tell you about that more. David Mathis coming up. Lucky Strike and Lucky Strike Alone offers you important evidence gathered in the tobacco country by the world-famous Crossley Pole. This evidence reveals the smoking preference of auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, the men who really know tobacco. Here's what the Crosley Pole found. For their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. These experts know their business. Their overwhelming preference for Lucky Strike, we believe, has a direct relationship to the quality tobacco we purchase for Luckies and to the real, deep-down smoking enjoyment you may expect from fine tobacco. And when these veteran tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice for their own personal smoking enjoyment, then you know. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike. Remember, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. This is Corbin, son of the one and only Joe Root, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Hola, Fringe listeners. This is Dave Cruz of Beyond the Strange, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Listen, I want to tell you about G.I. Joy from GetTheTea.com. It's the best alchemical concoction of goodies for your stomach and digestive system I can recommend, and that's all based on my experience. Packed with colostrum, acidophilus, aloe, peppermint, and turmeric. If you do your own research, then you know this is the bee's knees for the stomach and digestion. 
Now, due to Big Brother's ears and the eye in the sky, you know I can't go into the details about what it helped me with. All I can say is, I got relief. It's non-GMO, no fillers, no preservatives, manufactured right here in the U.S. of A., and delivered to you by the only people who stay on top of the game and are out in front. Go grab a bottle of G.I. Joy at GetTheTea.com and see what all the fuss is about. Again, that's GetTheTea.com. All right, everyone, this is Justin from the UK. Excuse the chitty chitty. If you're into the fringe and you want to hear the brass tacks, me old China plate, Joe Roop, and his guests on Light in the Void will open your mince pies. You need to shut your north and south and use your 10-speed gears and listen to them bubble. You could hear a Barry Crocker, no Brussels, but he ain't no holy fryer. Anyway, you beat a Barnaby Rudge and take a butcher's. I'm Ryan Gable, and I want to remind you to keep your radio, phone, tablet, or computer tuned to The Fringe FM and visit the website, thefringe.fm, to listen to the entire lineup of shows. You can also catch my broadcast, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, beginning at 12 a.m. midnight U.S. Pacific Time, right here on The Fringe FM. Come. Walk through the mossy creek and up the hill. Never mind the flashing lights and otherworldly shadows. They stay hidden within the trees. Come, step up to the shack and begin your journey to the answers that you seek. This is Lady Anne, and you are listening to Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener, and we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, call the station at 501-777-5631, or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Howdy, this is Catalina, and you're listening to Lighting the Void with Joe Roop. to Lighting the Void Radio. Well, tonight we're here with David Matheson. For reference, you can check out the website, davidmatheson.com, also starmythworld.com. The discussion tonight is the star myths, how they're in every single religion historically. It seems as if everything goes back to the stars. Why is that? What's the reason for it? And I, I want to get more into just the, the idea of mythology and 
you know, the whole Joseph Campbell thing, which we all know about all that. And the myth, there's more to this. I believe there's something more to it spiritually uh, and much more. I want to give a big, big shout out to, so I got to like stop myself before I lose my breath, uh, to Patrick and Don for bearing with me and taking the heat of that too. Like Patrick, after missing a week, after all the hard work that he's done for the show and after having to reschedule, and we rescheduled pretty much everybody, by the way, last week, um, except for one, I have, I don't know if they're going to reschedule or not. He had no issues doing that. And all of, then he posts on Facebook today. He's like, hey, y'all, we're going to talk about star myths, uh, dreaming, crop circles, and the afterlife this week. I can't wait. And the dude's still stoked. I can't help it. I know I give Pacho a shout-out, but you guys show him your support. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, and David was telling us your story. I hit you up with that classic age-old story. How did you get into the the myths what caused it and you went deep into your background into the military and started getting into that so i know that a series of events led you up to this man and before we went to the break you were talking about you know learning about the strategies of the military and flanking and that you were outside all the time looking up at the stars so go on man you know finish that please yeah. So anyway, to make a long story short, I I really uh, have always been drawn to the stars. I've always been drawn to the myths. I actually, uh, while I was in the military, became very uh, literalist Christian. Um, so I was reading the Bible a lot, going to church on Sundays. Um, you know, even before I went to back to teach at West Point, I got my uh, had to get a master's degree, and while I was at, uh, it was, I was at Texas A&M. So uh, I hope you know. I hope you don't root against the Aggies. Oh, sorry, Joe, brother. But, Texas is going. <laughs> I, I got to. You know that. I got but to. while I was there, while I was there, I was not even studying on Sundays. You know, Sundays were, and you have to do a lot of reading when you're getting you know, postgraduate degrees, but I would not even read any secular material on a Sunday, just the Bible. So, um, so what happened was after, after I was out of the army for a period of time, I, my parents were going to visit Machu Picchu and I said, and my mom's birthday was coming up and I said, I'm going to get them a book that has something to do or get her a book you know, that has something to do with Machu Picchu. And I looked around and I found a book called Heaven's Mirror by Graham Hancock and his wife, Santa. And it's a beautiful book. It's like a book that has beautiful photographs on the glossy pages, you know, it's a nice, thick book with lot and Machu Picchu is in there along with lots of other things. And I had never heard of Graham Hancock. I just thought this book was really interesting looking and it had these beautiful pictures and it involved Machu Picchu. So I got that from my mom. And, um, then I started looking up Graham Hancock on the internet and watching some of the videos. And I was like, wow, I'm really fascinated by what he's talking about. And he mentioned this book called Hamlet's Mill, which, you know, now I've probably read it maybe 12 times. I think, you know, when I started, when I started out interviewing people, I'd say I've read it eight times trying to figure it out because it's, there's some things about Hamlet's Mill. It was it was written in 1969. We mentioned in the first half hour about H.A. Ray's constellational outlines. H.A. Ray 
so important. Um, I grew up with those constellational outlines by H.A. Ray. People might be scratching their heads or if they've heard me talk before, they know who H.A. Ray is, but they might be saying, wait, that sounds so familiar. H.A. Ray, H.A. Ray. He wrote something that I've read. H.A. Ray and his wife, Margaret Ray, wrote the books and created the characters of Curious George. Starting in 1941 was when they published the first one, Curious George. And then in 1952, H.A. Ray wrote this book called The Stars, A New Way to See Them. Well, I don't think that the authors of Hamlet's Mill, you know, they were writing in the 50s and 60s. I'm afraid they probably didn't read H.A. Ray's book on the stars, A New Way to See Them. So they were aware that there was a connection between the myths and the stars and a lot of other things. They were aware that this was a worldwide system of some sort, but they didn't have it all figured out. And sometimes their explanations get a little vague and they'll be moving up to a subject where you're like, Ooh, this is really interesting. I can't wait till they tell me what they're driving towards. And then they'll, <laughs> before they tell you the answer, they'll move away to something else and say, well, it's obvious to everybody what we're talking about. And you'll go, what? <laughs> it's not obvious. So it's a frustrating book in that way, but they were, they were grasping that there's this connection. They were groping at what it could be. They didn't necessarily have all the tools to, to draw the blueprint. Well, H.A. Ray's constellational outlines help a lot. So, you know, we've been going for quite a while. I haven't actually, and you've said it, but what I mean by all the myths and scriptures, the ancient myths and ancient scriptures and sacred stories from cultures around the world, those characters and the episodes and events that they describe can be traced to the stars and the heavenly cycles overhead. And virtually every character in the Bible from start to finish and those different adventures and episodes that happen or the characters in the Greek myths gotcha. or the Nor Norse myths. And it's worldwide. It's in the Americas. It's in North American it's sacred stories. It's in, yeah, it's in the Maya of Central America. It's in the Pacific. It's in Australia. It's in Africa. So um, how did I get into that? Well, I read <laughs> Hamlet's Mill. And obviously, because I was already fascinated by myths, I was already fascinated by stars. I just had to know more. And I became kind of obsessed about it. In fact, there you go. as I mentioned, I was already... <laughs> I was already really familiar with the Bible and I was taking it literally uh -huh. and some of the things that they were saying in there were pointing out, well, this relates to Samson when he slays all these opponents with the jawbone of the ass or the donkey. Well, that's a celestial. And they, and they would talk about, you know, another passage in Revelation. And at first I would kind of block those out in my mind and say, well, you know, they're wrong about that, obviously, because... Uh, I believe the Bible is literal history, but literal history. So you struggled but, uh, with that, huh? I like did, like I, did. I did. I really I yeah. really got tore up over that when I started really putting myths together and analogies and seeing through symbols growing up a Christian the way I did. I, I struggled with it too, man. I was really yeah. torn. Yeah. And, you know, to get ready for this interview, I listened to your 13 questions and I... Uh, oh, yeah. I, I heard that you... You mentioned The Hobbit as a book that was really that was a good <laughs> at, one for at me. the age of twelve. Yeah, and and I loved those books too, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And in the in the Fellowship of the Ring, when they're going 
they're trying to cross the mountains there and they get kind of turned back by the power of Saruman, right? And so they have to go a different way and uh, they have to go underneath the mountains. Right. And Gandalf doesn't really want to go underneath the mountains. He says, I think we should try and go over the mountains. <laughs> right. And, the, and they have to go underneath. And he says, I'm kind of concerned about what we might find here. Well, why is that? And he says, the dwarves, they delved too deep. They woke something up down there. And you got to be careful. So listeners who are listening who don't want to go too deep. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're really, uh, your identity's tied up in the Bible, the only way it can be true is literal. You may not want to go into the mines of Moria and delve too deep, but I, uh, gotcha. delved, I delved in there deeper and deeper. And if you go deep enough, you will discover that the evidence is overwhelming, that the Bible pretty much from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, the so-called Old Testament and so-called New Testament are based on the stars. And it's like, in, in, and I'll continue the metaphor, you know, what happens to Gandalf when they go through the mines of Moria? Well, yeah, he gets in he a runs battle. Into, yeah. He runs, yeah, he runs into the Balrog, and eventually that pretty much ends Gandalf the Grey, right? But... He comes back in a different form, a new Gandalf. This is actually really, really. This common is showing what I call it, initiation is what I'm what I call that kind yeah, of. Yeah, you come back in a. So if you delve too deep, you may lose something that was familiar to you before. But I would argue that actually the the truth about what is in the ancient scriptures of the world, whether it's the Bible or the Odyssey or the Bhagavad Gita or the Tao Te Ching or the myths of North America or Australia, the truth of that is actually you will find something even better, I would argue, than you, if you've been told that it's got to be literal in order to be true, You, if you want to hold on to that, that's fine. I'm not here, you know, turn the tape off right now. But the, but the, I had to struggle with it, but after I uh, came out to the other side, there was a new appreciation for what is going on. And actually, these myths are all about you. And in these stories, Gandalf the Gray and Gandalf the White, are they two different people? I don't, I don't think so. Not really. It's the same person. Well, this happens in the myths all the time where we have two figures who are actually one person. 
there's the twins of Gemini, one of whom is Castor, and he's mortal, and one of whom is Pollux, and he's divine, and he actually has to come down and rescue Castor when Castor goes down into the underworld because only one of them is immortal. So this is not actually two people. This is the story, the 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 myths of the world, and this is a quotation from Alvin Boyd Kuhn, who uh, lived from 1885 to 1963 and wrote some fantastic stuff that you can find online. And actually, it's in the resources section on my Star Myth World website. If you go down to the very bottom of any page, you'll find a link to resources. You can find a bunch of stuff from Alvin Boyd Kuhn. But he said, the myths, the sacred scriptures of the world are a thousand times more precious as myths than as alleged history, end quote. Because if they're history, they're about someone else. These are actually about you. They're actually about finding your true self, which I think is a huge issue in today's society, obviously. But obviously it was not just in today's society because if the myths are all about finding your true self, it must always have been an issue. I think when you come down into this world, like I said, the stars arcing across the sky and then descending down into the western horizon. Whoever put these myths together saw that as a metaphor for what happens to us. When we get tangled up in this world, we tend to lose touch with our authentic self. In the world, there's a, there's a psychologist, psychiatrist actually that I listened to on some podcasts, just recently discovered his work. But he says, Gabor Mate, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Gabor Mate, G-A-B-O-R is his first name, Gabor. It's actually related to the angel Gabriel, that word, that mm -hmm. name. Mate, that's actually re related, I think, to Matthew, Mateo, right? Um, he, so he's a messenger. <laughs> he brings some messages that's right, yeah. from, from the other realm. Dr. Gabor Mate says, the, this world rewards inauthenticity and punishes does, authenticity. It? Like it really does. <laughs> it, it punishes authenticity and, and, and that and a lot of other things separate you, separate us from our authentic self. And the myths are pointing us how to get back to our authentic self. So when you see, you know, like you said, it's an initiation for Gandalf, but in all of these myths, there's this theme that you have to recover you have to find something that was lost. A lot of times it's a a god or a goddess who was yeah. lost, like Persephone was lost. Or I want to talk to you about Cyrus. That. Now yeah, that you're here, because you're the perfect person yeah. for this, man. That I've, <laughs> All right, so are you familiar with the band uh, Tool? This isn't books, this is music. But like Tool, Maynard James Keenan, they, did a, they had a band called A Perfect Circle. Um, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the name. I have to admit I've never owned any of their right. albums. I'm a little, but just hear me, out. Older, hear me out. So he wrote older, this song. It's all right, brother. He wrote this song. You're going to, I guarantee you something's going to come to you. So he wrote this song called three Libras. Right. And when I was uh, a kid, I used to like that song growing up in high school. Uh, he, Oh, you know, I thought he was singing about a girl. Uh, he's talking about eyes of a fallen angel, you know, uh, you don't see me at all. But when you watch the music video, there's these three little girls holding a boat. Right, they're holding a boat, and it's a boy, 
and I'm assuming the three girls represent the three Libras or that story of the three constellation of Libras. Did you know what I'm talking about? Um, you probably know more keep about going. it. Yeah, keep right, going. So he's holding there. So yeah, because you're going to pick this apart. I know you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, probably. And they throw the boat in the water. All right. Yeah. He dives into the water, and he's chasing this boat. And the next thing you know, he he's he wakes up. They show him in a womb, like he's in a womb. So he's diving in this water, and it shows all these pregnant mermaids around him, you know. And then you got to look into the mythology of the mermaids and stuff. Then he wakes up into this womb, uh, and he has to deal with his his self, like you were talking about earlier. We all got to wake up to ourselves. The way they show it in the videos, he's dealing with his sexual desires and stuff. But then they show the spinal cord in the video, right? And I'm thinking, man, this guy is a genius, right? And I looked into a perfect circle, and all of these guys, included Maynard in that band, they were uh, uh, like top of their class in college, you know? These were not stupid guys. And anyways, so it shows the womb, and it shows him kind of waking up. It shows him overcoming certain animal desires walking through hallways of people and masquerades and parties kind of like he's angry and it shows uh he keeps saying you know uh the eyes of a tragedy uh you don't see me at all i threw you the obvious eyes of a fallen angel right and i'm thinking is he talking about him falling to this place or is he talking about all of us falling to this place like I, I, I sometimes wonder about this story of Lucifer, and we bring this up a lot. Um, and by the way, he had an album he called Pussifer. It's like he put stuff together, right, just to see if people are going to pick it apart, I think. And this whole, I've talked to Jordan Maxwell about it. I've talked to everybody about this. Even uh, Bill Cooper admitted, like, I don't know why both Christ in that mythology and Lucifer both call themselves the morning star. Well, I'm starting to put this story together in my mind and it's total step, you know, speculation and I'm hoping you'll validate it or just totally crush it. One of the two, um, <laughs> that the fallen angel story isn't about an evil being. It's about us forgetting who we are. Right. And then having to deal with our own beastly nature and our own animal nature to overcome it, to rise as a Christ type consciousness. Right. I'm wondering if that's what that whole story is about. What do you think about that? Yeah, so this is an interesting subject. Um, I'm tell not everybody an the devil isn't real, I haven't David. Actually, yeah, haven't seen that. <laughs> haven't seen that video. So first thing I would say is, you've you said you've talked to everybody about this, but you know who you need to talk to about this that you haven't? Who? It's not me. Chris Knowles. Oh yeah, that's right. I, right. That's the secret son speaks. So when you start talking about Libra and then you start talking about mermaids, you have entered the wheelhouse of Chris Knowles. But um, this also fits into the bigger discussion of what's going on with music. Um, you know, so the gods actually speak through poetry in just right. about every myth system around the world, right? The the Vedas of ancient India are verse. The Edda of Norse, where the, the poetic Edda, the elder Edda, where we have most of the Norse myths preserved, is verse. Then we also have a prose Edda by Snorri Sturluson. But 
he's also talking about verse and how verse is sacred. And here's how you do this special kind of skaldic verse that, so verse, the, the Odyssey is in verse, the Iliad is in verse, the, you know, all around the world, myths are in, are given to us in verse. Even actually, if you look at the Chinese symbol for poetry, the Chinese symbol, the character for poetry is actually a character for speech, a little character for speech next to a character for temple. So poetry, the the Chinese character, the the ideogram for poetry is temple speak. It's the it's how the gods speak to people. So, um, so first of all, the gods speak to people in poetry. I think the gods speak to people through poets. And uh, I think that music is basically poetry. We have the nine muses of ancient Greece, which I can talk about how that relates to the uh, constellations and Dionysus, who was uh, associated with the muses. And so is Apollo. They're a specific part of the night sky that they're related to. Um, But somebody is also... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, maybe this is just coming up spontaneously from the realm of the gods, but I think people are, there are certain people who know this kind of system and are manipulating music too. Like Dave McGowan talked about, the late, great Dave McGowan, right? Are you familiar with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting, yeah. I just talked about this last night with somebody. This is epic. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, you know, so what's going on with the use of this mythic symbolism inside music videos and things? I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. But I'll tell you that in the myths, we very often have myths where there are more than one mother. Okay. So I haven't even seen this tool video that you're describing, but it sounds like well, we've got three mothers or Heimdall in ancient uh, Norse myth, Heimdall, the watcher, you know, Heimdall who blows the trumpet on the day of Ragnarok, right? Right. You know that? He's, oh, yeah. he's standing on the rainbow bridge with his trumpet. His job is to blow the yaller horn when it's when he sees the Jotuns and the fire demons coming. He's got to blow the horn. You notice there's a horn, there's horns and trumpets blown in the book of Revelation at the, you know. Are we talking Aries here or what? Well, uh, no, actually, 
I would argue, and I've talked about this, so I've got, <laughs> so in the intro, you read about Star Myths of the World Volume 1. Right. That, that actually came out in 2015. Um, and then I wrote Volume 2, which came out in 2016. That was all focused on the Greek myths. So Volume 2 is all about the Greek myths. It's uh, 718 pages. It got pretty long. Volume 3 came out also in 2016. That's Star Myths of the Bible. That's all about the Bible. That was even longer, 766 pages. Then I came out with uh, volume four, which is all about the Norse myths. That was only 528 pages, and I tried to make it a little more condensed by by changing up the format a little bit. But anyway, in that book, I talk about Heimdall being actually associated with the constellation Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus is a super, super important constellation a super mythologically important constellation. So I think that actually Heimdall is associated with Ophiuchus and the angels that are blowing trumpets could be associated with Ophiuchus and also Boötes. There's a lot of the angels in Revelation are associated with Ophiuchus. There's an angel in, uh, I think it's Revelation 8, could be Revelation chapter 6, where he has one foot in the Damn ocean. Damn I've got to take a break. One foot on the land. Oh, okay. Um. It yeah. sucks because I really just hold that thought. I've got it yeah, notated too. Yeah, we'll circle back to this. Um, yeah. So uh, what, uh, another thing I want to do too during the break, if you guys want to skip the commercials, uh, for sure, I've dropped that Three Libras song in there, and I've dropped the uh, I'm dropping the music video into the Fringe FM chat. Uh, if you guys want to get into the Fringe FM chat too, just make sure that when you jump in there, you're going to be in a welcome room that's going to seem completely empty. All you have to do is look to the left, find the place that says Main Hall, and that's where you'll find all the cool people. Also, if you want to call in, it's 1-800-588-0335. The direct line, if that number doesn't work for any reason, is 501-424-5130. We're with David Matheson. Be right back. magic and enlightening the void each and every week you will get to hear shows about magic mysticism and many other subjects that stretch your mind and imagination so when i got my mind on the magic and the magic on my mind i listened to lighting the void on the fringe fm it's magic This is Elle. I listen to Lighting the Void because it's interactive radio with good content, interesting guests, and a humble host. Sharing his journey through the esoteric. Hey, Joe Roop. Thanks for having us along for the ride. Thank you so much. What a delightful evening. Well, I got a lot of ground to cover. Hey, Fringe FM listeners, did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or no Wi-Fi available, you can still listen to every minute of the Fringe FM by calling 701-719-3971. 
No smartphone, app, or internet needed. Saves your data plan and no extra cost if you have unlimited minutes. Call 701-719-3971. That's 701-719-3971. Listen to the Fringe FM on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal, there's a show called Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Hear me live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern on the Fringe FM. Introducing Shadow Light Tarot from Waking Canvas. The Fringe FM's new contributing artist, Eric Tisi. This hand-illustrated black-and-white self-published deck serves as a reinvention of the tarot never before witnessed. Each of the several suits of this 88-card deck lineup form an infinite panoramic scene. Even the included visual companion guidebook is entirely hand-illustrated, cover-to-cover with beautiful visuals and esoteric symbols and artwork. The newly released deck comes in a custom magnetic box with its own travel pouch. The Shadow Light Tarot Premium Deck and its travel Travel-sized mini deck Wonderlight Tarot are both available now from WakingCanvas.com. If you use the code word Fringe, that's F-R-I-N-G-E at checkout, you'll receive an extra 10% off your entire order. To discover more, including a free reading and time lapses of all the illustrated artwork, make your way over to WakingCanvas.com today. That's WakingCanvas.com. We all have that story to tell in our lives. The winds were howling. The ground shook. You could hear rushing water. And then history repeats itself. When there's no power, refrigeration fails. Doors with their shelves strip bare. ATMs can't operate. Deliveries stop. Then what? These events can last days or weeks. You need a plan. In statements made during recent interviews, FEMA Administrator Brock Long has repeatedly urged all Americans to understand three truths. FEMA is broke. The system is broken. If this is the new normal, Americans can't rely on federal cavalry when disaster strikes. Don't get caught out in the elements empty-handed. Prepare with us by going to preparewiththefringe.com and get your two-week food supply, 92 servings, eight food varieties with 25-year shelf life, normally $137 now only $75. Or get a month's supply, normally $247, now only $147 shipped in one business day. Just go to preparewiththefringe.com or call 888-440-7931. That's 888-440-7931. Get this great offer and be prepared while it lasts. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, the Fringe FM is for you, the listener. And we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm. Call the station at 501-777-5631. Or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. To Lighting the Void Radio. Occult Arcana is a balanced and objective guide to those subjects considered a part of the nature of light and darkness. Addressed in this text is a compilation of material that will provide new perspectives and awaken latent abilities that we all possess. The content herein shall provide magical sustenance for adept and novice alike, and will help strengthen the cornerstone of mystic understanding and alchemical transmutation. If you are interested in this modern grimoire, You can find detailed information and ways to order by visiting www.thesecretteachings.info. Although esoteric and occult studies remain vast, they are rooted within a universal philosophy that is difficult, if not impossible by finite terms, to explain in words. 
Language places restriction and erects barriers to understandings. By this it is to be understood that there are some things man should consider far too sacred to profane with definition. For these concepts and the manner by which we live our lives, we shall take a note from the Greek philosopher Pythagoras, quote, silence is better than unmeaning words, end quote. To get your autographed copy of Occult Arcana today, simply visit www.thesecretteachings.info or email The Secret Teachings at rdgable at to Lighting the Void. The call-in number is 1-800-588-0335. If you would like to text, you can text in at 501-777-5631. Yeah, that's right. We're here for you five nights a week, 9 p.m. Pacific to midnight every single, well, five nights a week, every single night after this, The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Tonight we're here with David Matheson is on the program with us, and uh, fascinating discussion as always, just like I thought it would be. Um, tomorrow night we're going to be speaking with the one and only Richard Martini, who is an author and award-winning filmmaker. Uh, he's written and directed nine or more indie films, and we're going to talk about the afterlife with him and some of his experiences and travels as well. But uh, we're getting into the mythology of the stars, David Matheson's work. Check it out. Uh, starmythworld.com, davidmatheson.com. Uh, not, I will say this, David, you are not a dumb man by any means. Uh, very deep, very knowledgeable. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I could have a nine-hour-long discussion with you. In fact, I'd probably try to uh, sneak some uh, no-dos in your drink to keep you awake just to keep talking <laughs> to you about stuff. So um, here's the thing. So before the break, we were, I was trying to – I just – sometimes things come to my mind. Um, and I'm like, well, if anybody can decode this cryptic three Libra song, it's David Matheson. So we were talking about the fallen angel, and, and maybe he's talking about Lucifer. Who knows? Uh and you were going into, well, I don't know about much about music because that's not my expertise. And you started talking about the, the trumpets, the horns, and the angels. Yeah, I said I'm not, not an expert in tool. <laughs> yeah, tool. Well, asked about, believe me, there's a bunch of those some, people that are fanatics and why, super experts. Why didn't you ask about the red hot chili peppers or uh, T-Rex <laughs> or something? Come on, but anyway, <laughs> now, um, 
So I'm not familiar with exactly with that song. And also I'll tell you that I'm not, you know, I'm not sure where some of these videos are trying to move society or if, you know, some, some may be coming from the artists themselves. And yet, and, and on the other hand, there may be, uh, as Dave McGowan talks about a use of popular culture in order to steer society in certain directions. And, um, you know, just as an aside, it's an, it's pertinent to this conversation in the book of second Kings. I think it's second Kings. It might be first Kings, but anyway, when Solomon has his vision before, so Solomon is the son of David. Solomon is the King after David right before the, uh, incident that's called the judgment of Solomon immediately before that he is depicted as, uh, having, you know, burning incense to the Lord. And then he, uh, in a, in a vision, God asks him, what do you want? Ask whatever you want. And Solomon says, well, I really would like wisdom because I'm a king over all these people but I feel just like a child, you know, I, I need judgment to help these people who are looking to me to help them make the right decisions. And I feel like a little child. So give me a heart, an understanding, a wise and understanding heart. I'm not reading exactly out of the, yeah, not reading the yeah he just wanted to know he wanted wisdom above all things. Yeah. I think it's first Kings. I'm turning right now just to make sure, uh, and then the God told him, he said, because you wanted wisdom, I'll give yep. you everything else. Love, That's you right. know, riches. You could have of- asked for, you could have asked for wealth. You could have, it's actually first Kings, not second Kings. Like I said, uh, yep. Second King, first Kings, starting in, uh, chapter three, verse four. But he said, you could have asked for wealth. You could have asked for, uh, long life. You could have asked for power over your enemies, but you asked for wisdom to help others. And I think there's a lot there about why we're supposed, what, what are you supposed to, when you're going into the realm of the gods or the divine realm, whatever, however you want to call it, or the use of magic, you know, that you've talked about in your 13 questions, what's the purpose of it? Is it to have power over your enemies? Because some people might seek, you know, the, the, the power of the other realm for power over their enemies. But that's not what the ancient scriptures tell us that we should be using it for. We should be using it for wisdom to lift up others. That's, that, that's the answer that Solomon is told. That was the right answer. We see lots of other judgment myths that parallel this very closely, like the judgment of Paris that started the Trojan War. Three different goddesses come to him and said, hey, Paris, you're the most best looking youth man in Greece. Everybody, you know, knows that you're the best looking. You're like the Brad Pitt of the Greek myths. So we want you to judge us on a beauty contest. And if you choose me, one of the goddesses says, I'll give you power. 
And one says, if you choose me, I'll give you, you know, military fame. And one says, if you choose me, I'll give you the most beautiful woman in the world. And Paris says, I'll take that. And, uh, of course the most beautiful woman in the world, Helen is already married. So this causes a gigantic problem and the Trojan war ensues. So that wasn't the right, uh, you don't use the, the infinite realms when the, when you have the access to the infinite realms, you don't use it for your own, uh, selfish purposes. It's, the right answer is to help others. There's, there's other judgments in the, uh, in the myths, but anyway, so how did I mention that? Oh yeah. The use of these, um, music industry, is it being, uh, is it, is all that stuff that Dave McGowan is talking about being used by some hidden force to uplift the people or to, uh, have power over the people? I'm not, not positive, but I, I would say that probably, based on what happened during the 60s and 70s and the assassination of the leaders that were trying to uplift the people like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, those forces that were maneuvering things during the 60s and 70s were not using their uh, access to these this knowledge to help the people. I would yeah. Say, yeah, and, and we get these mixed messages from people all the time, like this Epstein deal, right? And, I mean, this is current news. Everybody's talking about it. And the guy, uh, everybody wants justice, you know. It's the first time people are actually seeing into the uh, the dark side of the powers that be in politics and stuff, um, and they want justice. And it's And he died, or he committed suicide. And now they're saying, no, he didn't. I mean, when have they ever showed you a body? like that they, they're protecting him he's under witness protection and it's like oh god you know what's going on we get all these mixed messages and then you look at things like the music industry like you're talking about and you hear some songs where it seems like this person is trying to empower me or, or tell me a secret message uh even maynard james keenan with that song i was telling you about which i'm not trying to beat it into the ground but uh when he was asked about it he was like yeah well it's about uh nine people that i know that all had the same birthday I mean, come on, you, that's pretty cryptic, right? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, no, we'll come. We'll come back to that. But um, you know, you said the Epstein thing is the first time people have seen the dark side of. Not the first time, course. but it's well, obvious, should, yeah, it right? shouldn't be the first time, but it's the first time. I mean, it's pretty undeniable. It's, it's not. I mean, whatever happened this weekend is. I get annoyed when the news wants to tell you what happened within 12 hours. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, could, but you yeah, can't do you a full analysis know. and investigation. Right. But the fact is that that predator was loose for over a decade and, and, uh, preying on young women and young girls. Yeah. And that was allowed to happen. So I don't want to get too far into this. Um, but it shows that if you don't see that something's going on from that fact, from the fact of, of how he was let off basically in with that plea deal, suppose quote unquote plea deal, there's no plea deal where all the accomplices get let off. That's not how a plea deal works. So if you don't look at that, that happened in 2008 and say, something very deep is going on here and it has just come to the surface. It's been plain to see 
since at least 2008. I mean, he was operating in the 90s. So that yeah. whole that's that's like the back of the monster has surfaced up above the water, but it has surfaced before in many many other times, and it's get and it gets glossed over by largely the complicit media, which they're trying to gloss it over again now. But anyway, um, so what I would say is the use of this uh, power of music is supposed to be for uplifting people. And I think that there are certainly artists that are doing that. Uh, but that doesn't, uh, that yeah, doesn't yeah. Uh, deny the fact that there's also people who, who maybe know this system and have been using it for a long time for the opposite, uh, not to uplift the people. So anyway, back to the song, not to stray too far. No, no, no. I'm glad. I mean, you're speaking what everybody's thinking, bro. So, so, so I don't know what this tool video is trying to accomplish, but the, the idea of multiple mothers is actually found in the myths a lot of times. I was mentioning Heimdall before the break. He has nine mothers. Well, uh, that's a clue that he's actually related to Ophiuchus because Ophiuchus is right above a constellation called Scorpio. Scorpio, we think of it as a scorpion. And if you you can go out tonight and see Scorpio, of course, the moon is almost full right now. So wait a few more days till after the uh, 15th, we'll have the full moon. And then after that, it, it starts to wane again and it also rises later and later. So that's a better time to, to see the constellation Ophiuchus. But the constellation Scorpio, the th- it has actually appears as a serpent with nine heads in some myths. Like a lot of people are familiar with the labors of Hercules. He has to fight a hydra that has nine heads. That's Scorpio. Uh, sometimes Scorpio has seven heads. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, there's a dragon with seven heads waiting to devour the child as soon as it is delivered of the woman, the the woman in labor that's described, the woman in travail in, in Revelation 12, verse 1, the, the Scorpio is right underneath Virgo. Virgo looks like she's about to give birth, and Scorpio is this seven-headed or nine-headed or different, sometimes a three-headed dragon crouching right underneath Le- uh, Virgo. Actually, Libra is right in between Virgo and Scorpio, Libra that you mentioned in the song. So the the heads of Scorpio, you can see the three stars, like, like the three heads of Scorpio are really easy to see. The other heads of Scorpio are harder to see if you've got some light pollution, but it appears in many myths with many different um, numbers of heads, sometimes eight heads. Maui in the myths of the Pacific is thrown into the sea foam by his parents uh, after he's born, because in some versions of the story, he has eight heads, not in the Disney version, but in some of the actual versions of the story, he has eight heads. Well, that's Maui is being associated with Scorpio, I would argue in that myth. So hopefully I'm not losing people here, but Heimdall has multiple mothers. He has nine mothers. That's unusual. The The authors of Hamlet's Mill talk about another myth mythical figure in India, ancient India, Agni, who has nine mothers also. This nine mother pattern, I would argue it's figures who are associated with Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus is right above Scorpio. The nine heads of Scorpio are the nine mothers of Heimdall. But in a lot of myths, you have two mothers. You have two mothers. 
In fact, in the judgment of Solomon, you have two mothers. You have one mother with a live baby and one mother with a dead baby, right? That happens right after this part that I just talked about in 1 Kings 3 where he asked for wisdom. Well, right after that, two women come up to him, two harlots actually, the text tells us, and they both gave birth to a child. At the, they both became pregnant. They both gave birth to a child at the same time. Uh, they didn't... Uh, one of them overlaid the child at night and woke up. The baby was dead. And uh, they come to the king and, and the woman, one woman says, you know, she switched babies on me. She took my live baby and gave me her dead baby that she'd actually accidentally smothered at night. And this is not my baby. This is her baby. And she's got my baby and she's trying to pass it off as hers. And the other woman says, no, 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 this is my baby. You know, don't lie to the king. And Solomon has to figure out what to do. And everyone's probably familiar with the story. He says to somebody, probably a big swordsman, and you can see depictions of this scene down through the centuries. He says, okay, I've got an idea. Take that baby, the live one, and cut it in two. Give one half to each of the two mothers. And one of the mothers, one of the two women says, no, no, don't do that. Give it to her. I, I changed my mind. Just give it to her. And the other woman says, no, no, go ahead, cut it in half, which doesn't really make any sense if this is a literal story because that woman wanted the baby, right? But Solomon immediately says, okay, don't cut the baby in half, don't touch the baby, I've got it all figured out. The one who said stop, that's the real mother. The one who said go ahead and cut it in half, that's not the real mother. Are you with wow. me here? Yeah. So that's the judgment of Solomon, the famous judgment of Solomon. It's uh, called First Kings chapter 3, and it's all related to the stars. Solomon is also related to Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus sits between two parallel lines in the sky, the two pillars. Um, he's also the son of David, which is, um, I show this in my book, Star Myths of the Bible. David is associated with the constellation Hercules, which is overhead. Well, in this story, so these constellations can play different characters. The constellation Hercules looks like it's waving, brandishing a huge sword over its head. And it also looks like it's reaching out and grasping the, the northern crown, Corona Borealis. This is all actually rotating into sight right now. This is a good time of year to see these constellations. That's the swordsman carrying the baby. And actually, if you look at this Renaissance artwork, even by famous painters like Raphael or some of these other Renaissance painters, they paint the figures in the myth with characteristics that, are, that correspond to the constellations, that correspond to the constellation Hercules, Hercules is holding his sword up over his back. The painting of the, the soldier who's about to cut the baby in half always holds the sword or is almost always depicted with the sword in that same posture as, as the constellation. The baby is always arching really, really like an arc shape because it corresponds to the Corona Borealis, the northern crown. The One of the mothers has always got her hand pointed out in a certain way that corresponds with Virgo. The other mother, so there's two mothers. One mother is of the live baby. One other mother is of the dead baby. That's actually, again, about us. It's like the two Gandalfs. Wow. The, the, there's an aspect of us that's our lower self 
there's an aspect of us that's our higher self. And this relates to we have lost track with our authentic self. This is what I mentioned Dr. Gabor Mate talks about all this trauma in our society separates us. Trauma, actually, the way psychologists and psychiatrists use that term now is a, a more modern use of the term that kind of came about in the early 70s. Is talking about, yes, something may have happened to you that shouldn't have happened or something may have not happened to you that should have happened, like you should have been loved and held and comforted and you weren't. But what happened, the trauma is actually the separation from yourself that results from that, the disconnection from yourself. And so we have to find ourselves again, our authentic self. This world, like I, I quoted Dr. Gabor Mate also, rewards inauthenticity and punishes authenticity. So you get separated from your authentic self and you've got to go find it again. And the myths are telling us that and they're showing us how to do that with all these metaphors because all of our, a lot of our problems come from our doubting self, our lower self, like taking control and not letting the higher self in the essential self, the essential self is actually threatening to the lower self. And that's where we get into all this self doubt and self sabotage and shame self, and guilt self destruction, and, shame. Yeah. And exactly. And we all face it. I, I mean, I don't think the myths would have put it in there if it, if it wasn't pretty much almost a universal problem. Yeah. See, you you keep asking me like, are you with me? Are you with me? Dude, I'm totally with you, man. Like for real, I, I'm with you so, on this stuff. So oh, and I forgot, we got to get back to the tool video. So real quick. So, uh, so a figure in a boat, Ophiuchus also, you got to, I mean. So you're actually watching the video and you're saying what I'm no, talking I'm not, about. I'm not watching the video. You described okay, it. I cool. purposely didn't watch it. I don't, I'm just going off of what you told cool. me. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Ophiuchus is often a figure in a boat, actually. The ferryman who carries souls across the river Styx. The uh, the fishing expedition of Thor in the Norse myths, where he goes fishing along with a Jotun named Hymir, H Y M I R, the Jotun who gets scared when Thor actually fishes up the Midgard serpent, and the Jotun he gets really scared and cuts the line when Thor is about to kill the Midgard serpent, and Thor gets really mad at the Jotun. Yeah. says, what you do that for? I don't know. I was kind of scared. This Midgard serpent came in. I learned Thor was like, I was going to finish him off. Now I'm going to have to face him at Ragnarok. So that fishing trip, the Jotun with the boat is Ophiuchus. Thor is Hercules again. Um, the, the constellation Hercules, the constellation Hercules plays the figure of the hero Hercules or Heracles. He also plays the figure of Zeus. He also plays the figure of Thor. He also plays the figure of there's Maya. There's a Maya god who has the thunderbolt. Um, it's the same pattern around the world. This system is worldwide. But anyway, back to your your video, if there's a myth, I mean, there, if there's a boat and then there's three mothers, I would say they're talking about at least this part of the sky you know, they may be tied in, they may be clued into this system, 
obviously someone's clued into this system down through the ages if we have paintings by Raphael and these other Renaissance painters that are employing celestial imagery. It's like been kept secret. Um, but the, the, the idea of two mothers, even Jesus on the cross, there are two Marys there, right? There's two Marys. There's Mary Magdalene and Mary, the Virgin Mary, his mother. There's two mothers, Osiris, um, in the myths of Egypt, there is Isis and Nephthys. There are two mothers. um, This is because we have two births. We have our natural birth. That's the dead baby, actually. That's our body that's going to die eventually. Then there's the your higher self, your essential self. That's the live baby. Okay. And, and so the, the, the mother who's like, cut him in half. I don't care. That's the cursing mother. When you come down into this world, it's like almost like a curse. <laughs> we talked about, or you mentioned the fallen angels. Uh-huh. Um, Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're that. I do too. <laughs> we're, I mean, I can't prove it, but my intuition thinks... So many intelligent people, and I will try to get uh, that guy on you were talking about. I've had other people ask me that. Knowles? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my intuition. Very interesting, very interesting anal- analysis he does. It, it's just like intuition and speculation. I, I, and I feel like sometimes when I say those things that I'm preaching it as if it's true. But it's, it's not. It's just to me, it's like this to me is almost too obvious. You know, well, I think they're really so I think when we say your higher self, your essential self, there may be some people who get all uncomfortable or weirded out and like, what, uh, what is this talk? Like, oh, the essential self. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking about who you really are. There's right. nothing mysterious about that. It is when I say essence, it's your essence is you at the core and who wouldn't want to get in touch with your essential self? But our mind, our lower self is our egoic mind. The best picture of it, one of the best pictures of it really is Doubting Thomas. Right. Okay, yeah. Doubting Thomas, when the other disciples say Jesus showed up, Doubting Thomas says, I don't believe it. You know, he wants to invalidate it. Yeah, he's got to touch it. But, the, right. He has to and he has to get in the right relationship with the essential self. But the the doubting mind that we've constructed, it's a defense mechanism. We come down into this world like the stars sinking down. We experience entanglement with the world and we experience separation from who we are and we experience trauma. And exactly. and, you know, I don't want it to be that way. It and I is. think. The more we can create a society that is less traumatic, the better. And I think somehow we've created a society that actually is more traumatizing than it should be, right? But, I mean, we do traumatic things to kids. But um, And there are certain groups 
that seem to be out there inflicting trauma on the yeah, world. Yeah, promoting it, perpetuating it. You right? mentioned Epstein. What the heck is going on with that if that's not inflicting trauma on young you know, women? So, okay, so there's there's some dark stuff going on. But, um, but even in the best of situations, we have to uh, – and we want to create the – you know, we want to create a society where children are brought up without trauma as much as we can. That's why I think you should read the books of people like Dr. Gabor Mate or Peter Levine, who talks about healing trauma. That's great. You know, I wish I knew about those books when, no, when I was, you know, before I had kids, but, um, but the, uh, but this idea of recovering yourself. So you lose connection with yourself and you create this mind which is a tool, which is useful. You need your mind. A mind isn't, I'm not saying we should get rid of our mind, our psyche, but our psyche wants to run everything. It's like my dog. My dog thinks he owns the house. You know, he thinks he has to protect the house. When a mailman or a male person, male woman, male, someone bringing a Just package. Just defend them. Dog, Don't worry. About yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're whatever. politically correct. I like you. <laughs> Well, whoever brings up the dog, uh, package to the house, the dog thinks, I've got to defend the house. The dog right. thinks he has to defend the house from a car down the street starting up its engine. He starts barking. And I have to tell him, calm down, you know. But yelling at him doesn't do any good. Hating my dog doesn't do any good. I have to, I have, to have sympathy on him and say, I'm sorry that you're so mixed up that you think you own the house. Go over there and sit down in your place and be in your place. You've got a place. Well, our mind has a place and Jesus puts Thomas in his place. Like Thomas thinks he, Thomas has defense mechanisms because he's been burned. That's why we have doubt. That's why we have self doubt and all these other things. We don't want to get hurt. It's a defense mechanism that we've created, but it takes over and it's like, and, and you end up your, your mind keeps you from your essential self. Yeah, but I, I would say this too, and we got to take our news break here on that note. And uh, but I don't have the educational background you do, but on that on that one, I would say it does seem like, and I'm talking specifically about just the Book of Thomas, which is a Gnostic gospel, which has been considered mm-hmm. to be pretty old. Um, oh, but yeah. um, that he got rewarded in a way that he couldn't even speak about because he was willing to want to know, because he was That's willing right. to say, "Hey." You know, I'd love to go on faith here, but I have to know, right? And it says he's his twin. Jesus, in the Gospel of Thomas, calls Thomas his twin. Absolutely. His his true brother, yeah. That's so cool. Deep discussion with David Matheson. I know you guys are, I got a text here too that says, uh, I will give you this, Joe. You are great at finding guests who have done their homework and understand the subject matter we're discussing. Too bad the show is only just three hours long it's the show's more than halfway over it goes by quick every night look i will be right back with david madison i hate it too hello this is vance nesbitt Take the time to expand your mind by listening to Lighting the Void with Joe Roop right here on the Fringe FM. 
Hi, this is Chronox from Belgium and you're listening to Lane the Void with Joe Roop. Is that a new music app? Yeah, check it out. Surfer Music Discovery. It links to thousands of online stations, but the twist is you see the song names and artists that are now playing live. That's different. No guessing. Looks like a waterfall of music. So many formats. Rock, oldies, country, R&B, jazz, and a whole lot more. How's that spelled? Surfer. S-U-R-F-R. Is it expensive? It's free. No need to sign up or sign in. Get the Surfer Music app free from Google Play or the App Store. Parabnormal News. I'm Brad Bernards. Orange County, Florida, just released a public advisory warning that the Department of Health had found signs of the rare brain-infecting virus, Eastern Equine Encephalitis Virus, in the area. It is a particularly rare infection. It tends to spread in remote swampy areas far from human civilization. But when the disease does strike, it can be grave. Gizmodo reports that a bite from an infected mosquito can cause severe fatal brain swelling in a matter of days. Health Department officials found eastern equine encephalitis in a flock of sentinel chickens, which local governments use to monitor and track infectious diseases, according to the warning, which included a list of steps people can take to prevent mosquito populations from growing. The CDC says seven cases in humans are reported every year in the United States. It can be deadly, and doctors say you should use a repellent outside and drain areas of standing water that may attract mosquitoes. While eastern equine encephalitis is rare, and human infections that lead to dangerous symptoms are even rarer, scientists have yet to figure out a vaccine or even a treatment for the disease. Dentists in India pulled more than 500 teeth from the mouth of a young boy, according to the New Indian Express. Doctors from Savith Dental College and Hospital in Chennai discovered what looked like a bag-like mass in the boy's mouth while operating to determine the cause of swelling in his jaw. The dental college says this is the first ever case to be documented worldwide. Fortunately, the growth was caught early. All of the boy's other teeth are fine, according to his dentists, though the growth of his molars will be affected, requiring molar implants in his teens. According to the founder of Savitha Dental College, the surgery was performed free of charge. While the boy's parents immediately agreed to the operation, it took several hours to convince the seven-year-old to cooperate. The teeth were in different sizes. Even the smallest piece had a crown, root, and an enamel coating like a tooth. The college's head of maxillofacial pathology told the Times of India. Dentists are still looking for a cause for the boy's condition. Check out tonight's stories at parabnormalradio.com. I'm Brad Bernard's Parabnormal News. Right, me old chiners. I know it's an ad break, but before you lot shoot off and make yourself a cup of rosy Lee or whatever else it is you're going to sling down your Gregory Peck, you need to listen to me bubble. If, like me, you found your way to light in the void via a downloadable podcast, you might want to take a butcher's at the Fringe FM Wind and Kite. You won't Adam and Eve how many other shows there are or what they rabbit on about. Ancient history, conspiracy, the consciousness, the esoteric, the occult, metaphysics, parapolitical, ufology, technology and spirituality to name but a few. They got featured hosts like Ryan Gable, Jeremy Scott, Alex Exum, Tim Doyle, Cortana and Gigi, Susanna Ross, the Reverend John Polk, Michael Deacon and J.D. Lewis. 
You might find yourself listening to the thoughts and theories of the author of The Fish You've Just Finished Reading. Or you could pick up the dog and bone, call in and tell everyone your own beliefs or experiences. So do me a favour. Before you put on the ansel or crack open a bottle of vino or roller joint, go to the Fringe FM and see what you're missing. Hi, this is Aaron Hunter, host of Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and you're listening to The Fringe <laughs> FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. If you do want to call in or you have a suggestion to what we are talking about or you want to ask David Matheson, our guest tonight on Lighting the Void, any questions you can, 1-800-588-0335. You can also join the chat room or text into the show. Uh, David, real quick, I, I want to, before we get back into our discussion, I want to kind of plug the um, what you got coming up. You, you're you going to uh, contact in the cabin with... America and it seems like they're doing like two or three or they're just doing them faster now and you got some other stuff coming up so go ahead and plug that too if you don't mind yeah thanks so there's a couple upcoming events where people who are interested in these subjects can if you're able to uh, come out to uh, either contact at the cabin that Joe was just talking about or the there's so the contact at the cabin is in April of 2020. So you can go to contact at the cabin.com and it has all the information and that one's actually selling out pretty fast. So that's going to be April 16th through 19th in 2020. And it's going to be located in the uh, Bryce Canyon and Zion Canyon, right in between those two national parks in the desert of Utah, the high desert of Utah. So it's fantastic geological formations there. If you've ever been to Bryce Canyon and Zion Canyon, the the whole geology of that area is, I think, tied in with ancient cataclysms. Same things that carved the Grand Canyon, the same mechanisms that created the Grand Canyon. Actually, my first book, was about the hydroplate theory of Dr. Walt Brown, who also graduated from West Point in, I think, 1959. Dr. Walt Brown talks about the cataclysm of a worldwide flood and how that explains the geology of the world a lot better than kind of the uniformitarian, oh, the Grand Canyon was carved by the Colorado River over you know a long period of time. It cuts right through the Kaibab uplift. It just doesn't make any sense for the river to go through there. That whole geology is very complex and very amazing, and we're going to be right in the middle of it, and it's going to be with the guys from Grimerica, Darren and Graham, and they're the ones who started the contact at the cabin idea. It's kind of like the opposite of a conference. In a conference, you go hear a lot of speakers, 
with hundreds of other people. And, um, you know, that's great for getting a lot of information. And I'll talk about a conference that I'm going to in October coming up here. But their idea is to grab one or two speakers, guests on their show, and put together kind of a more intimate uh, gathering around that. So I'm going to be there with the Gramerica guys and also Russ and Kyle from the Brothers of the Serpent podcast, which is uh, a podcast new. that... That's a yeah, fairly newer, new show, isn't it? But I really newer, like it. Yeah, really interesting. They've got a good vibe going, and um, they're going to be there. They they were at the last contact at the cabin uh, earlier this year with Randall Carlson talking about geology, and they're going to be there. And also Brandon Powell. Brandon Powell is um, – you can listen to his interview on Grimerica. He is a trainer in the Wim Hof breathing method you know, the Wim Hof who submerges the ice man who submerges himself in ice cold water. They're going to be teaching. Brandon's going to, he's a certified instructor trained by Wim Hof himself. I think he might be Wim Hof's first certified instructor. He's been teaching this method for a long time. So it's about breath control. Um, and the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. I mean, all this has to do with, these are things yeah, it has to do with stripping away. You know, the mind is a great tool, as we were talking about, but it kind of has a tendency to want to take over the house, so to speak. Like my dog thinks he owns the house. The mind thinks, hey, you're me. I'm. We're not actually our mind. We have a whole, you know, when our mind goes to sleep at night, sometimes we get messages. We wake up in the morning and we know something that we didn't know when we went to bed. Well, that couldn't have come from our conscious mind because the conscious mind was unconscious while we were sleeping. And yet I've had this experience where I was working on a difficult, naughty question, you know, not a naughty, like a knot. I was trying to untie a knot. <laughs> I was trying to figure out some myth and I couldn't figure it out. I went to bed and the next morning I kind of woke up and a few minutes later I kind of realized, wait, I know the answer. Where did it come from? Well, it came from somewhere other than my conscious mind. Um, so things like meditation, uh, b- these certain types of breath work, which I think are actually very ancient. Um, you know, the, the Sanskrit word for, for your life energy is prana, which right. relates to breath. Same thing in the Chinese word chi relates to your vital life energy, but it's also your breath in, uh, in Cantonese, it's hay, but you know, you may have heard of chi. Well, learning to use your breath, it's pretty exciting. So we're going to be doing that by day and stars by night. We'll be seeing the stars over Bryce Canyon, which is one of the best places in the world to see the stars. Certainly in North America, it's a desert. So hopefully there's not a lot of moisture in the air and that'll be, uh, so you can sign up for that. The slots are actually going fast for that. There's like two left actually, I think. Isn't that what you said? If that, well, they said, no, they said it's 85% full. Last I talked to Darren. Um, so there's maybe a max of 10 to 12 more slots left, I think. And we got to get something to go on like that here eventually or something. Like I want to do that, you know, that, or or just go, uh, or, or I need to talk to them about that because I tend to copy off them quite a bit. 
because I like what they well, do. Well, they, you know? Yeah, they've got the formula down. Well, they're yeah. you know they they're working out how to do this contact at the cabin, and that you know they had a really successful event with uh, Russ, with Randall, uh, Randall Carlson, and also the Snake Brothers, Russ and Kyle were there, and then so so that's coming up. If you're able to go to that in April of 2020, um, actually most of the individual rooms I think have already been booked. So what's left are like um, like. I think there's campsites. Well, you can check on the website. But then there's a more standard conference coming up. Well, I shouldn't say standard. This is also an amazing event. It's the Conference on Procession and Ancient Knowledge, CPAK or CPAC. Yeah. Not to be confused with uh, the Conservative Political Action Committee, which is also CPAC. Last time I talked to uh, John Anthony West, he was invited to go to that. So you're going to be speaking at that, too? Yeah, that's right. So I was at the one in 2016 with John Anthony West. So that cool. was fantastic. The late, great John Anthony West is, you know, a real hero of uh, analysis of the ancient world and what's going on. I mean, his book, Serpent in the Sky, was extremely influential on my thinking and also a lot of other people. And uh, so the, so the CPAC, this is the 11th one, but they typically have them every two years. So the last one was or three years. So the last one was in 2016 and, and this one's, so the, the most recent one was 2016. This is the next one that we're having. And, uh, so Robert shock will be there who obviously was Robert shock and John Anthony West who, um, you know, worked yeah. on the Sphinx, uh, oh, yeah. weathering. We, we know shock. Yeah. Big, Christopher yeah, so. Dunn will be there. Carmen I just want to plug that stuff before it gets too late. I know you're used to probably people waiting to the very end, but I like to plug it while everybody's really tuned in, you know? Uh, yeah. So you find that one on cpaconline.com, cpaconline, C-P-A-K online. And if you want to sign up for that, when you sign up, so there's like a link for sign up and then there's a, there's like a window that says discount code. And if you put my last name, Matheson in that window, you'll get $50 off the, uh, the yeah. cost of going to that. And so that's a, also another, that's October 4th, 5th and 6th. So it's a three day conference. Alan green will be there. He does the John D and Shakespeare and some really amazing things about the pyramids. Um, I want to talk to you about that too, when you get done. Um, yeah. So, well, um, you should have him on to talk about it. <laughs> He'd well, do a better I'm job, but talk to you about, well, I want to talk to you about um, angels, right? Now, I know you're an academic, man. I know it. Well, I think we all know that now, right? We we I know we all know how passionate you are about digging deep into this mythology and stuff. And I am super inspired by it. I wish I've got to I've got to catch up on your reading on your books. In all honesty, but what? do you think is real about this? And when I say real, I mean, let's take the concept, not of the constellations and the mythologies and stuff. And this is all speculation. You know, it's, uh, it's not in a book, but to me, when there, when there's something about angels that I think is very real and not just so mythological sometimes, and I could be totally wrong, but I get that feeling anytime I have discussions about angels or read ancient grimoire text or anything. And it, everybody goes, well, they're, yeah, they're the watchers and the aliens. And uh, Bill Donahue says, well, no, actually, the, an angel is 
short is different for the word angle, and it's just photons going to the brain to help your consciousness. I've heard every single imaginable definition of angels. I'm just curious as to where your mind leans on that subject, if it does at all. Yeah, good, uh, good topic to discuss. So, and you might as well, you know, I would frame it also as in the gods. So my favorite book is the Odyssey, the Odyssey, uh, you know, Odysseus. And when Odysseus is, is going through his trials and adventures and journey home, there are several times where he is going to meet with disaster if not for the intervention of a god or goddess. Usually it's the goddess Athena. Sometimes it's the god Hermes. And so the question is, what is that? Is that an external being? Is that, um, you know, Freud might say, well, it's psychological. You know, it has to do with your own psyche, your own unconscious, your subconscious. That's been um, maybe suppressed, but can also give you messages. And, um, you know, so right off the top, I'll say flat out, I don't know positively. What I do know, I mean, what I can demonstrate is that these myths are related to the stars. But I'm going to answer your question. Don't don't worry. Uh, the, I can show you literally hundreds and hundreds of examples that the, the myths are related to the stars. That is what I can, basically I would say I can prove it. Some people might say, well, don't, let's not say prove. The evidence is compelling, if not conclusive. I would say it's conclusive, but anyway, sure. now what? Now what does it mean? Well, from there, now we're doing interpretation. Now we're, we've, got the, we've got the evidence, we've got the clues. Now we have to try and piece it together into a narrative. What is it talking about? I would argue that our subconscious, for starters, I don't think anyone denies the existence of a subconscious, <laughs> right? Like right. I said, I can go to bed over, you know, wrestling with some issue. Next morning I can wake up and have the answer doesn't always happen, but it sometimes happens. I can also, when I was in the army, um, I read this book called the Kung Fu Exercise Book. It was written in the 70s. And it said, you know, Western medicine um, takes care of, it tries to address problems. Eastern medicine tries to keep you healthy. And one of the signs of being healthy is you should be able to go to sleep at night and think about what time you want to wake up in the next morning. And you should be able to wake up at that time. And, um, and I was started doing those exercises that it shows in the book. They're kind of like yoga exercises. They're actually called the silk weaving, these ancient art exercises from China. And lo and behold, I was out in the, this training exercise and I had to get up the next morning at like five thirteen or some, and I set my, I had like an Ironman wristwatch and I set the alarm on my wristwatch to wake me up at five thirteen. Well, I woke up at five twelve and looked at my watch and I said, well, that's funny. <laughs> I guess it worked. You know, when you're doing these kinds of exercises, and now I have that experience actually more often where I have to wake up at a certain time and I wake up like one minute before my alarm goes off. It's really uh, interesting because what is keeping track through the night? It's not my conscious mind. 
It's some other part of me. So there's more parts of you than your mind. You are not just your mind. You've got more. You've got your gut. Your gut tells you things. I would argue that we know things, our gut knows things before our conscious mind knows it. Like if, if you're, you know, I don't know, I'll use an example that I heard someone else give. It may not be the most pleasant example, but let's say you're in a relationship with your girlfriend or your wife or your, you know, loved one, or if you're a woman, you know, your husband and they're cheating on you. Guess what? Your gut probably knows it before your conscious mind knows it, right? We all say, yep, I would agree with that. Yeah. Your conscious mind is like trying to deny what your gut already knows. It's trying to talk you out of it. Yeah. Say, no, you're just paranoid or perhaps you're just insecure. Um, Perhaps you got psychological issues. But meanwhile, your gut's like, I know something's up. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And so the more you can get in touch with your wider consciousness, the more you can receive messages from I don't know where the realm of the gods, the realm of pure potential. OK, so and people and, and, and almost no, I don't think, you know, even very secular, um, strictly materialistic scientists would deny that we have a subconscious that has these kinds of wider sensation abilities, sensing and, and knowing abilities than our conscious mind is always aware of, right? But our gut or our subconscious can even pick up things that I would say are very hard to explain with science. Like another kind of unpleasant example, I don't necessarily love this example, but it's an example that I think a lot of people have heard about these kinds of things happening is where someone wakes up in the middle of the night, like this happened during the Vietnam War, where a mother would wake up at 2am or something with this horrible feeling about their son that's off in Vietnam. And then they'd be told, you know, maybe a day later, well, sorry to tell you that, you know, something terrible happened. And it was at that moment. And how did that happen? And And this has happened, like, I've talked to people who that's that kind of thing has happened to them or someone in their family. And this has been, I don't, I don't want to say documented, but I think it's a pretty widespread phenomenon where people will get a premonition about someone else or, or you even just have a phenomenon where you're thinking about someone and then they call you and they live in West Virginia and you live in California or something. You're like, well, that is so weird. I was just thinking about you. And then you called, how'd that happen? So somehow our subconscious, not only is it tapped into stuff that our conscious mind isn't aware of, like our gut feeling but somehow that subconscious is tied into a wider awareness as well. I would say it's tied into the subconsciouses of other people, and somehow it's tied into what I would call the realm of the gods. Um, so if you want to call it the subconscious because you're uncomfortable saying angels or message from the gods, I don't care because I think that that's how the gods talk through or work through people or the angels. It, uh, the 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 human the the myths show that the gods and goddesses work out their will through people like Odysseus has to do it himself Athena will inspire him but she doesn't go kill the monster for him she's she'll say hey stop panicking and then he'll stop panicking and figure out what he needs to do but he still has to do it so I think that the, that's what the, the realm of, you know, the, the invisible realm yeah. 
the powers that are there, whether you want to call them angels or spirits or uh, gods, are real. And by the way, I think I should just throw in at this point, when I'm talking about the myths are based on the stars, the Bible is based on the stars, by no means am I implying that the Bible is not true. Some people say, well, if you say that Moses didn't literally live as a person, then you're saying the Bible isn't true. So why, 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 why do you think I'm saying it's well, not true? The, if I, yeah, I mean, that's it's extremely polar-minded mindset. It, it's not literal. But it's true. It's telling you truths about the way this world operates. And I don't think we've figured it all out how this world operates because some of those things can't be explained by our narrow materialistic physics. But there is no doubt that people get messages. Or I wrote a blog post about Paul Selig. Do you know who Paul Selig is? Yeah, I actually, actually I do. I just... He yeah. gets these messages from what he calls the guides, right. the guides. And, and when he starts to hear the guides talking to them, he starts talking very fast. Really it's quick, almost like yeah. a fast mumble. And then he, in his own kind of voice and slightly slower, but still pretty fast, repeats what they said. Now, where are those messages coming from? You might say, well, they're just coming from his subconscious. And I would say, just your subconscious is way more powerful than you think it is. Yeah, it's controlling the care. show. I don't care if it's the subconscious or if, if it's the realm of the gods, because I would say the realm of the gods comes into us through the subconscious. It's like your subconscious is like that prism on the cover of <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon. I'm actually not a big Pink Floyd fan, but it's a cool album cover. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I would go over to my best friend's house, and he had like an older brother. And so they, and this was in the seventies, they had albums like all the way around the floor, you know, like covering every inch of the wall stacked up against the wall and like dark side of the moon must've been represented. These are vinyl albums must've been represented like four times, <laughs> like within this one room, they had like four copies of dark side of the moon. Well, that prism, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. On the cover of dark side of the moon, that prism, it's like your subconscious is like that prism that the infinite realm comes into you through. So if you say, well, Paul Selig is getting those messages from his subconscious, I would say that's fine. That doesn't mean they're not coming from the infinite realm because that's where they, that's your subconscious is in touch with the realms that you're not in touch with. Uh, or Odysseus, is Athena coming to him through his subconscious or is she a separate entity talking to him? Well, she might be a separate entity that's talking to him through his subconscious. But you've got to get back in touch with your essential self. That's how you get in touch with the realm of potential. What is the realm of the gods? What is the realm of angels? That's the realm of pure potential. We are in the realm of, of not potential, but um, like manifestation. Oh. They're in the realm of potential. So there, there's verses in the Bible that say, oh, even angels want to look into these things. It's like we're in, and it's talking about our condition, we're in this realm of pure manifestation, but we're connected to the realm of potential. Which is the kingdom, right? And see, that's what, and I, I, as a Western guy, I see what you're saying. I mean, I've got books and books and books that you can't prove scientifically or even mythologically, but they tell you every intelligence and every angel of this constellation and planet it, it goes down into the system of the Kabbalah and the realms of formation into the realm of causation, formation, and into the kingdom, right? And the, which is Malkuth on the tree. 
Uh, and I've got both the Tree of Life and the Prism, Pink Floyd Prism, on the wall behind me. Right, <laughs> and it's like um, I I get I get this stuff. And what you said earlier, really, and and I got to take a break because I'm over. My intuition tells me what you're saying is right, but my monkey mind is saying, "Well, you're just putting too much stuff together in your head." Really? Well, how come every time I pick up a book, listen to a song, read a poem, watch a movie, talk to a guest, no matter what, it keeps coming back to this story of this fallen state that we're in that we have to come back to and wake up to who we are through a state of an energetic process and awakening and also like you're talking about breathing there's all these different mystery schools there's all these different methods that are shown to us to do these things that we need to start paying attention to i think uh we'll be right back with david matheson also uh don't forget if you want to donate to the show you can just click the donate button on the website buy a t-shirt or share and like the show We'll be right back. Hi, this is Sammy. Join us in the Deep South as we're lighting the void with Joe Roop on the Fringe FM. Did you know that qualified patients can access medical cannabis in all 50 states? Anasense is a medical cannabis collective that helps patients in all 50 states gain access to cannabis medication. Anasense does this with a streamlined process and strict compliance with the Compassionate Use Act of 1996, the Affordable Care Act, and the U.S. Constitution. It is important for each patient to understand the legalities involved, the costs, and the benefits of cannabis medication. Through truth, legalization, and education, the medical benefits of cannabis will support plant recreational perceptions and the real vision for change will be realized let the people and their personal doctors take control of their medical cannabis decisions before the greed of big business takes over the tipping point for change is today and canasense is ready to lead the charge and enable legal access for all qualified patients to medical cannabis through its proven system for more information go to the friends.fm forward slash care or click the banner on the website today Yahoy there Gigi here from Shift Happens. Do you like to boogie down to topics such as ufology, the occult, and the mysteries behind our reality? Why invite you to join us every Friday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, that's 10 p.m. Eastern, as we like to punch that curiosity button and tickle that fancy. We tickle that fancy, but yeah, you know, I don't know if that's the right analogy, but there's certainly a lot of tickling going on over here at Shift Happens. Hey, is that a new music app? Yeah, check it out. Surfer Music Discovery. It links to thousands of online stations, but the twist is you see the song names and artists that are now playing live. That's different. No guessing. Looks like a waterfall of music. So many formats. Rock, oldies, country, R&B, jazz, and a whole lot more. How's that spelled? Surfer. S-U-R-F-R. Is it expensive? It's free. No need to sign up or sign in. Get the Surfer Music app free from Google Play or the App Store. AncientLifeOil.com. For your CBD needs, just remember, AncientLifeOil.com. What does it do for the body, you ask? I can't say you did the people in the suits that run the industry. Big Pharma is all over CBD because of its H-E, well, you know what I mean. Research the benefits of CBD on Google and come back to AncientLifeOil.com and purchase your CBD today. 
non-GMO, and all organic. You don't want to be using a petroleum product. You want to be using the cleanest CBD product on the market, ancientlifeoil.com. We even have CBD for your pet. Help your pet's discomfort. Help your discomfort. Log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com. Newly reduced prices to pass off the savings to the most important person, you, ancientlifeoil.com. And one more thing, we have topicals too. So if you have joint pain and some different issues that are going on in your body, you might want to use a topical. Think about it, ancientlifeoil.com. Alex This is Alex Exum of the Exum Experience and Live Talk, where we discuss current events, society, and culture. My shows are based in actuality, actual existence, contrasted with what was intended, expected, or believed. You can listen to me live Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 7 p.m. only on KTLK The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. The Fringe FM isn't just a radio station. We also provide services for all your audio production needs. If you are interested in live radio or pre-recorded podcasts, we're here to help. We even do audio enhancements and voiceovers if needed. If you want to do a podcast or live radio show and even want the option to syndicate on terrestrial radio from simple audio file enhancement to live production and call screening, we have you covered. We have worked with some of the best professionals in the business in order to provide coaching instruction for content creation, show structure, and more. Contact The Fringe Digital Media for more at info at thefringe.fm. That's info at thefringe.fm. Or call 501-777-5631 for a consultation. When I'm done running with the wolves after hunting down half-ton bison, I look forward to a mind-teetering escapade evening on The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Fringe FM, and I'm Michael Deacon reminding you, you can find my show right here on The Fringe FM every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, or by going to michaeldeacon.com. The choice is yours. To call Joe, pick up the phone, dial 1-800-588-0335, toll free from the United States or Canada. David Matheson is our guest tonight. As we go deeper and deeper into the late night, the conversation gets deeper and deeper here on Lighting the Void. Coming to you five nights a week, 9 p.m. Pacific to midnight, right here on the Fringe FM. Don't forget about all of the new shows that are here as well. You've got Real Talk with J.D. Lewis. We've got new podcasts coming. Caravan of Lore is also coming. Um, We've got another one. Oh, my. Do you guys miss Sean Forker and the crew? Uh, They're going to be back. 
on the fringe fm as well so plenty of radio shows plenty of podcasts and keep giving me that feedback uh any feedback that you give me that lands in that talk back email i do not discuss with anybody i take everything that you say to me very personally about the station and i consider that the growth of it and the success of it is all due to your feedback and your support so thank you very much um and tonight david matheson is i i'm starting to miss you already dude we got 45 minutes left in the show i know i'm gonna have to let you go and then i'm gonna have to listen to you on all these other shows again until i talk to you again man i want to uh i wish you would do a podcast it seems like everybody that i that comes on the show i'm like man will you please do a podcast i beg people to do it but i'm selfish you know but if writing is your thing then do your thing i just want you to keep doing it no matter what it is and speaking of that you know you brought up a good point like the the authentic self finding our true self we can pick apart every little dynamic of the myth and every mystery school every type of uh system you know whether it's transcendental meditation uh, pranayama a yoga all the different types of yoga uh, ceremonial magic all of these systems seem to have some type of process where you're working out uh, you start out working out the basic things about yourself you know like your emotions and or what they call the four elements and magic because i'm more familiar with that but you know your emotions and your mind and you're just trying to get everything real centered and mastered as you you know, as you work through the ego and all these different things through initiation to start tapping into what you called your intuition, you know, listening to that higher self better, uh, Crowley, the golden Dawn, they called it your holy guardian angel. I've heard it called your solar body, light body, God self. It's been called a lot of different things. Right. Um, but the running myth of this is, or the running parallels that I see is we're fallen and forgotten we're here to wake up and listen to that. And I said something to you during the break about the show. And I said, you know, it seems like the more that I tap into my true self, the more risks I take, despite what the material world and society wants me to do, the harder it comes against me, but the more spirit and synchronicity throws things in my lap. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, it's a really, I think, um, you know, people, people ask, or, or I always think that when I'm talking about all these myths being based on the stars, the question is, why would they do that? Well, I think they are doing that as a, it's like a language. They're speaking, uh, coded metaphorical esoteric language to convey powerful messages that we need. It's ancient myths that we need right in this very moment, this present moment. They're conveying really practical and profound truths that we need in our lives. And there's a lot of them, but a big part of what they're talking about is finding your authentic self or reconnecting. You're alienated. We're alienated from our essence from our authentic self and and how does that happen you know we are and i think it's the creation of the psyche the mind is like created it's it's um we create it for ourselves as a defense mechanism 
by it's it's got a lot of rules to it like when you were little you were told don't do this or don't do that um but it's like a defense mechanism also if you went through you know if your parents were yelling at each other or something it's not that they got dr gabor mate talks about this it's not that they didn't love you but there are ways that you can pick up messages when you're an infant you think that everything's about you so if they're arguing you think it's your fault right and then you end up going through life trying to please everybody else in ways that can be can it can go so far that you actually cause yourself illnesses and things but you can um but you can figure out what the trauma was and you can reconnect with who you are as an adult so um it's the disconnection that's the problem you can't go back and change something that happened or didn't happen in childhood, but it's the disconnection that, but that's the disconnection is the part that you can fix. And that's the part that's causing you problems right now. Well, the myths illustrate this over and over. Like I said, with this pattern of twins or with the pattern of the God or goddess who has to be searched for the, the goddess Persephone, uh, is lost for a period of time and they have to search for her. The god Osiris is murdered by his jealous brother and they have to search for him. Isis goes all over the world searching for him and she eventually recovers him. And uh, he's restored by Isis and by Horus. Actually, that pattern, you know, right now we've got the Lion King is making its reappearance in theaters. The 1994, I think, was the original Lion King. And then, uh, now they've got the new Lion King, but that pattern, actually the book Hamlet's mill that we were talking about. Yeah. The reason it's titled Hamlet's mill, it was written by uh, these two professors, Giorgio de Santillana or Santillana. I think it's probably Santillana, uh, and Herta von Deckend. They, they wrote it in 1969. They were both professors. They both passed away. I mean, they were kind of I had already been professors for decades. So they were older professors at the kind of the, towards the end of their careers. So this was a long time ago, but they wrote this book, Hamlet's Mill. They talked about how the story of Hamlet is patterned on the same pattern as the story of Osiris. In, in the myth of Osiris, his jealous brother Set murders the king. The rightful king Osiris is murdered by his usurping brother Set. And then the son, Horus, has to figure out how to deal with it. In the Hamlet myth, well, Shakespeare based Hamlet on these uh, northern European myths of this character named Amlothi or Amlethus, which became Hamlet in the, in the play. What happens? His father is murdered by the usurping jealous brother, and then Hamlet has to deal with the problem which he goes back and forth about how to deal with it. But it's the exact same pattern. Well, what happens in The Lion King? <laughs> the correct rightful king, Mustafa, is murdered by the uh, evil, conniving, usurping brother, Scar. Hopefully I'm not giving away any uh, spoilers here to people who haven't seen oh, The no. Lion King. I think we've all seen and, The Lion King. And even and if then, you haven't, sorry, you're getting the spoilers. And then, and then Simba has to figure out how to deal with it, right? The son has to recover who he is. He has to figure out who – he goes through this 
oh, what am I? Maybe I'm a warthog. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to go live with the warthogs and the, and the, uh, what's that other, uh, animal called, uh, on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember. But anyway, he's like, well, I don't think I'll be a lion anymore. I'll be one of these guys. And then, but then, it's the return of the king, right? He has to come back to who he really is. He has to discover who he is. And you see like on the trailer, he puts his little paw in the paw print of his big, you know, father lion paw print. And you get chills because it's like, that's who he really is. He has to figure out who he really is. That's what it's about. So anyway, I was looking up this quotation. Um, it's from the Gnostic Gospels, but um having trouble finding it right this particular second. Oh, here we go. Um, here we go. It's from the Gnostic Gospels. I found this quotation. I was talking about Dr. Gabor Matei, who talks, he uh-huh. talks, he's a, he talks about how the separation from the self, the authentic self is at the heart of addiction. Yeah. Suffering and addiction, everything. Yeah. And, and, and that. even many, and it can even uh, lead to illnesses. Well, he also talk, He also points to another psychiatrist, Dr. Peter Levine. Dr. Peter Levine wrote a book called Healing Trauma. And at the beginning of that book, he has a quotation from the Gnostic Gospels. And I'll just read it to you because you were talking about, you know, it's not always easy to start this radio show, but you really feel like it's, you're bringing, you're getting closer. You're doing what you feel like. Yeah, I mean, it could be jujitsu. It could be a, you know, yeah. Exactly. But I know. Yeah, go ahead. So here's this quote from uh, Dr. Peter Levine's Healing Trauma, where he says this is from the Gnostic Gospels. And he chose to start off his book about this. Oops, my dog is moving around. If you bring forth that which is within you, then that which is within you will be your salvation. If you do not bring forth that which is within you, then that which is within you will destroy you. I don't know which Gnostic text that's from. I'm sure we could do a search on the Gnostic. It's pretty cut and dry though, right? You know, but it's pretty clear it's in you. And if you don't bring it out, it'll destroy you. If you do bring it out, that will be your salvation. That w- That's what you're down here. You're down here to do a lot of things, but it's going to be pretty hard to do them if you're not connected with your authentic self. So, I think the ancient myths are about a lot of things. They're, they've got a lot of messages for us. But this message about reconnecting with our higher self, sometimes it's pictured as your higher self, your authentic self, your essential self, uh, is a core message of the myths. And I can talk about some of the myths where it's where this is dramatized. You know, I even think that the the – like I said, the the picture of Gandalf the Grey and then Gandalf, you know, when he comes back after he has to go through the Balrog experience is, I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien knew about the myths. He was a he was a mythical professor. He was a he was, uh, you know, one of the first scholars to take the Beowulf texts really seriously and dive into them uh, and write analysis of them. But anyway, this pattern is found in the myths where we have um, where we have this uh, reconnection with the self, but it's but it often often the lower self is getting in the way through doubt, through self-doubt. That's it's a clue as to our mind is good at certain things, but the things that it's good at, 
if they go out of control, can, can wreck the whole chariot, so to speak. The, the mind is good. We need to have doubts, right? We need to be able to think into the future and say, hmm, that could be a problem. Or remember into the past and go, well, okay, the last time I did this, I uh, had a failure. <laughs> uh, you know, I failed. How can I do that better? Those are those are good tools to have, but th- that's your mind. Your mind is always is capable of going into the future and the past. That's where doubts come from. Doubting Thomas is full of doubts because of he's been burned in the past or he's afraid of getting burned in the future. Our mind in, can run away with us. Uh, uh, worrying about what could happen with this or what could happen with that. And so things like meditation enable you to slow that down and give it a rest and enable you to get in touch with that essential self that if you let your chattering mind go all the time, you'll never hear your essential self. You'll never be in touch with it. So uh, that's what I think these one thing that these myths are showing you. That's how you can get in touch with your essential self. But when Jesus shows up, Thomas wants to invalidate that. He wants to say, oh, that's all, that's all, that's all improbable. No way. I'd have to see, I'd have to feel the nail holes. Gabor Mate talks in this, in one of his lectures about when you do psychedelics, that can be a way, it's not the only way, it's a way to uh, quiet down the, or, or move aside the doubting mind or the, the egoic mind and see right to the essence. But after that experience is over, the egoic mind will want to rush right in and invalidate what happened and say, oh, yeah, 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 don't, <laughs> let's not take that too seriously. Because the egoic mind is threatened by the, when the essence, the authentic self shows up. Because your egoic mind is in many ways a defense mechanism against your essence, against you getting in touch with your essence. And you might go, why, how could that be? Because when somehow you got burned, you were trying to show who you were, you were trying to pursue something authentic and the world punished you for it. And so your, your egoic mind said, well, let's not let that happen again. Yeah, I gotcha. Now that I, I've heard this thing about the essential self and the ego and everything. I think, uh, the first step too, I, and I got this from like Tobias Lars. He did this video called fix your effing shadow, you know, and he would get real brutal about it. Uh, he would say, you know, it's all these, these people in new age communities that just invoking love and light and unicorns. And he said, you know, you, you, you invoke all this light and you put all this pressure on yourself and these demons, right. Or the darkness manifest. It just comes up right? There's no, you can't run from it. You can't run from the bad sides of yourself, all your dark natures in your ego. You can't deny it. There's no getting around it. You can meditate till the cows come home. It's still going to keep popping up. So you have to first address it and say, this is part of me and acknowledge it and then take care of it. And that's like a, um, a thing that I've kind of learned in some of the Eastern texts, especially like, um, what was that movie that really got me? Uh, I think it was Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee when he's walking through the right before he died. You know, when he's walking through the Hall of Mirrors and stuff, and it's kind of yeah. it's kind of 
simple to see that you know he's dealing and he's fighting the guy with the claw you know so there's the beast right so it's kind of simple to see that you have to deal with these types of things you, you can't just ignore them forever yeah no you're bringing up some really important points joe so um yeah i mean so first of all in the subconscious it's not all uh not all rainbows and sunshine not all rainbows and unicorns there you know, when you look at the gods and goddesses in the myth, they're myths. They're not all. Uh, they're not always benevolent and helpful. Sometimes they're antagonistic and um, dark. And actually, if you really look at the myths, uh, they actually don't talk about enlightenment. They actually talk about going down into darkness. It's usually going down into darkness, which that's where you're going to find your essential self is actually it's inside of you. So I think meditating in the dark with your eyes closed, that's, that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to find the Buddha in there is in the dark. It's also in the Odyssey. Odysseus has to go down into the underworld. He goes down into the underworld and that's a very recurring pattern in myths and sacred stories around the world. There are underworld journeys in the Norse myths. There are underworld journeys in the myths of the Americas, the sacred traditions of all the different Native American nations. And in the Maya text of the Popol Vuh, they go in down into darkness. There's a great book by a scholar named Peter Kingsley, and it's called He's written a lot of really interesting books, but a reader of my books actually alerted me to Peter Kingsley, sent me an email and said, have you checked out Peter Kingsley? And I had not. And so I'm very grateful for that tip. This was many years ago, and it's called In the Dark Places of Wisdom. Very fascinating book, and it's talking about a poem by a Greek philosopher named Parmenides, or Parmenides, as he um says, and it's about this wisdom tradition of meditation and what he calls incubation, going into a dark cave that was supposed to open up into the underworld. Now, these caves, I mean, there are caves all around the world that are, you know, in ancient times, they would say, well, this cave opens up into the underworld and you can go in there and you go, well, where's, (laughs) where's the crack that goes to the underworld? Well, guess where the underworld is? You go in there, that's where you connect with the underworld not physically, there's not a literal hole that keeps going down to the underworld. You're going, you have to go there yourself. And in this poem by Parmenides or Parmenides talks about going down into the darkness. And this is a pattern around the world. So, um, so it's an interesting question whether this whole new age movement is yet another, um, way of misleading. Um, not that it doesn't have truth mixed in there, right? But it's like there was a whole generation that was a very threatening generation. It was called the baby boom generation that was wanting to move things in a certain direction. And that generation experienced a lot of trauma. That generation had unleashed on it. Well, there was the Vietnam War, which was horribly, you know, terrible for the people of Vietnam, millions of people, 
hundreds of thousands of, uh, you know, soldiers, young men and mostly young men, some young women were killed in the U.S. And that had repercussions across not just the people who died, but all the brothers, sisters, children, mothers, fathers. It was a trauma. The whole baby boom, it was moving in a direction that was, uh, that I think was very threatening to the powers that be and all of their leaders were killed. You know, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King. Yeah. You see that, that, uh, this is something else I want to talk to you about, man. Uh, earlier you said that the Bible's not literally true. Okay. Uh, uh, well, you didn't say that. You said it's more, I would argue that it's truer than what we think is true. <laughs> it's right? true. It's I don't literal. want to put words in your mouth, so I'm sorry about that. Um, That's right. But I would kind of take a different, I kind of take a different look at that. I take more of a hermetic approach to where I think that there are some fundamental things that happen in the universe and truths that we are just now starting to learn that used to be called like occult science, possibly philosophy, uh, things like that, that in the universe, they look like planets, but down here, and this is just one example, uh, down here, they manifest and that same fundamental principle or software, let's say behind that's running those planets down here runs, I don't know, uh, may possibly the systems of our human body or the psyche, you know, the makeup of our psyche. Uh, and sometimes I, I see the same stories, like the book of Ecclesiastes says, same story, different thing. Son, <laughs> same story, different, you know, same, uh, different characters, same story, right? Uh, so the martyrs end up getting martyred, and when they become their true and authentic self and push others to do that for the human spirit, they get martyred. Same story, same thing over and over again. It's Groundhog Day, you know, till ad nauseum, until we transmute this thing, right? So I think that it's possible, and I know it's highly unlikely, but I think that it's possible that these powers in the universe are so powerful enough that a story could have actually happened and also be a fundamental truth of the universe telling its story through metaphoric narratives that end up physically here. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. And, you know, I don't, you know, people a lot of times ask me, well, couldn't it be metaphor and it really happened? And I say, it, it could. could be. It could be. I wasn't there, right, when right. the Red Sea crossing happened or didn't happen. Um, what I can show you is that that story has all these elements which match up very closely with this particular part of the sky and that this particular part of the sky relates to these deep themes like this particular part of the sky has to do with the second birth all the time <laughs> or the buddha is you know the figure of the buddha is actually the same constellation as the figure of moses is actually the same constellation as the figure of jesus is actually the same constellation is the figure of Odin. That's why Odin hangs himself on a tree. Sacrifice, you know, it says in the Edda, I sacrificed myself to myself. I mean, it, the patterns, it's fascinating that it's the, this figure that has very similar characteristics will be the same constellation. Will play. It's like an actor 
plays different roles in different films. And after a while, you're looking at the, you're watching this film and you go, wait a minute, I know her. She was in that other movie. Oh, she's dressed so differently. She's talking in a totally different accent. And in fact, that movie was set in, supposed to be set in the 1800s and this one's in the 1950s. But I finally figured out who that is. Well, you can, once you start to see this pattern in the myths, you can read a myth from another culture or, you know, you might be reading a Norse myth and you go, oh, well, that characteristic of um, hanging oneself, uh, I don't know why that came to mind, but um, I was uh-huh. just actually reading before this about, you know, the, uh, Odin is the god of the hanged. Well, there's there's Judas in the Bible who hangs himself. There's um, the hangman the on same, the tarot card. Yeah, there's same con- right, same constellation. Right. So, well, when you start talking about tarot cards in Western occultism. So it's interesting that you bring that up and you have more, uh, a little bit more, you know, experience with that than I do. But the point that I'm going to make is what I think happened was all this ancient wisdom was driven underground. Mm. We were talking about the Gnostic texts, right? Right. How do we have these Nag Hammadi texts? Well, there's this town or not even a town. It's like a village near Memphis in Egypt, the ancient site of Memphis along the river Nile where, these texts, it's called Nag Hammadi, were found at the base of a cliff, you know, in this jar. Why were they buried in this jar? Well, somebody uh, was, somebody put them there because at some point in time, having these texts would have resulted in severe punishment and possibly death penalty, but they couldn't just burn them. They were like too precious. And so they're like, I'm going to put them in this jar outside of town and maybe I'll get back to them someday. Well, apparently whoever put them there didn't get a chance to get back to them and they got discovered in the 1940s. Well, and what I'm saying is the literalist interpretation that was, that clamped down on the Roman empire in the, it, it was, there was a struggle and, it, and the literalist Christian system eventually won out that they, they shut down the Eleusinian mysteries. They shut down the Oracle at Delphi the Emperor Theodosius did that. He was a few generations after Constantine. The, 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 it became the rule of law that you could only have these texts. Well, all that wisdom got driven underground. And I think the streams of Western occultism are that underground in the Western. In the Western, yeah. Western so. Europe. In the Western Europe, that was preserved in a certain way. And, and so these, you know, the angels in the Kabbalah that you're talking about are related to the same ancient worldwide system where, the, you know, this God will have the same characteristics as that angel. OK, well, in places like India or China, where the Roman Empire didn't get there, their original myths got preserved. Right. right? The, the India, that's why, you know, in India, we still have you know, traditions that go back to the Mahabharat of, you know, this ancient Sanskrit epic that contains the Bhagavad Gita that the Romans didn't get there to stamp it out. Well, later the British got there, but the, the Western, there were Druids in, you know, France and obviously the British Isles that got stamped out by the British, by the British, sorry, by the Romans. They didn't, they got to the Norse, the far Northern Scandinavia later because it was farther away and inhospitable and frozen and icy. And, but they stamped it out there too. 
the worship of the Norse gods got stamped out by about 1000 AD in uh, like Norway and Sweden, but it stayed in Iceland until about 1200. And so there were texts. That's where our Norse myth texts are preserved is only in a couple of texts in Iceland. But anyway, it eventually got stamped out in all of Western Europe, but there were places where the Romans didn't get to. So anyway, well, that's I really think that- cool. You can see all that too, because I, I find it hard to relate to people when I have discussions off the air with certain type of people, because they'll ask me, well, why do you focus so much on these Western systems? And I'm like, well, because they work for me, right? Like I know my bringing, I know my subconscious, I know it, this is an easier path for me to help transmute this stuff. Uh, my energetic makeup, my higher self, do you want to, if you know, usually it'll be a Christian or something like, and I'll say, well, think of it as me trying to find the new name that's written on the white stone in revelation. Right. Then only me and God knows. Well, what do you mean yeah. by that? Well, just think yeah. of it that way. Are you saying I'm not well, saved? No, not at all. Or, <laughs> or I might be talking to a pagan and they're like, well, I really, you know, worship Odin and this. And I'm like, great. You know, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? And it's, I feel like I can relate to everybody if they would just let me, but they don't. You see? Well, I think this is an important subject because what I think happened or what I, what I think we see evidence of is virtually every culture on our planet has these, I mentioned Peter Kingsley earlier. He wrote in the dark places of wisdom. He calls them the original instructions Virtually every culture has their original instructions, uh, their ancient myths. What's fascinating is that these ancient myths appear to be part of an ancient worldwide system. This system is, it's the same system worldwide, which raises the question of how did that happen? Right. This system is already in place in the myths of ancient Egypt, we mentioned Osiris and Isis and Horus, and there's other, there's other myths from ancient Egypt that are, so my most recent book is called the ancient worldwide system. And what it is, it's star myths of the world volume one. I went back and rewrote volume one after I'd written volume two. So volume one, two, three, and four are all available. Volume two is Greek myths. Volume three is the Bible. Volume four is Norse myths. Volume one is kind of this um, trying to show that it's worldwide where I go from Australia to Africa to ancient Egypt. Anyway, I went back and redid volume one because I'd learned so much writing volumes two, three and four. I felt I had to go back and try and update and um, expand on it. So my, my most recent one's called the ancient worldwide system. Well, it's around the world. And it's already present in ancient Egypt. It's already present in ancient Mesopotamia. The system's already in operation, like in full full flower. So that indicates to me, and in ancient India and in ancient China, these these are the most ancient civilizations that we know of. Graham Hancock has this new book, America Before, yep. which suggests that the predecessor civilization may have actually been in the Americas, maybe in... South America, where the Amazon is. I mean, there are ancient 
ruins and ancient civilizations in the Americas, these the Maya texts, these yeah. huge blocks like at Sakai Waman or um, Oyante Tambo for everybody. Right, which is obviously in uh, the old world, so-called old world, right? That's probably mm-hmm. a misnomer. But anyway, point being, these myths are already present in the most ancient civilizations we know of, already present in ancient Egypt. So it's probably from some predecessor culture that's even older than those. And then you bring up Gobekli Tepe. Well, until the late 90s, everyone would say to people like John Anthony West and Robert Schock, okay, you're talking about some ancient culture that pre- precedes the Egyptians, where's your proof? Where's your archaeological evidence? And they would yeah, say, well, we haven't found it yet. Well, when Gobekli Tepe surfaced, it was buried no later than 8,000 BC. It probably comes from 10,600 BC or, or perhaps even earlier than that. That's 6,000 years before the earliest dynastic ancient Egypt. Earliest dynastic ancient Egypt is only how many years before us? Here we are in 2000. It's like 5,000 years before us. So Gobekli Tepe is like 6,000 years before them. It was more ancient to them than ancient Egypt is to us. Like the start of ancient Egypt is to us. Isn't that crazy to think about? Oh, yeah. I guess that's, uh, I had Bruce Fenton on the program, and he thinks, you know, that uh, this place is like 800,000 years or more older than people think, and he's firm on it. Um, and it's like, that's a long time, man. We got, you know... Uh, you'd have to talk to him about it, but yeah, there's the, there's definitely something there. There's definitely something that um, is a worldwide system of knowledge. You know, mainly P. Hall talks about that too. He said, I find it even in his books. Uh, I've, he said, I find it truly fascinating that no matter what happens in society, no matter what they try to do with religion, that these fundamental truths and esoteric knowledge still stay the same. They still stay the same. They still survive the test of time, no matter how many people try to demolish it or extinguish it, because it's in everything. And when I say everything, I mean, it's like we talked about music. We talked about books and poetry. And, you know, there's other people saying, oh, well, it's all black magic in Hollywood. And it's all I don't know about that. I mean, there's some bad stuff out there, but there's some good stuff, too. So there's an esoteric battle, it seems like, on this planet not only are we trying to figure out who we are authentically and what this ancient knowledge is uh from a single point of view but also as a society you know yeah well you you mentioned the bruce lee movie and and i think the the metaphor of martial arts or like kung fu or tai chi well not only are those disciplines that can help you get in touch with your authentic self that's what i think a big part of what they're for is but um you know, would you say that Kung Fu is good or Kung Fu is evil? Well, right. obviously we know the answer. You can use it for beating people up. We see that in Kung Fu movies. You can use it for oppressing the people or you can use it for protecting the people. So I think this system. So what I was going to say about the original instructions, I get I sometimes I tend to wander off the point yeah, that I was. Too driving towards. But anyway, every culture in the world, around the world, was given these original instructions, these ancient ancient instructions to help them. I think they're for, I don't think they're for beating people down. I think they're for lifting people up. But, but, um, and so you can use any one of them 
whichever one really speaks to you. And it, you know, probably would be best if everyone, you know, if, if you were still in touch with your original instructions that were passed down in your culture, unfortunately that's been splintered, right? That, you know, if you're in a culture that was passing them down, probably some colonialist Europeans came in and obliterated your culture and said, you got to start going to, uh, you're going to, you're going to go to Christian school where you're going to learn English and you're going to read the Bible and you can't be in touch with those ancient ways anymore. So it's like everyone's been splintered from their original instructions or someone's been working very hard to stamp them out. And so if you say, well, I, I feel most drawn to this, um, set of, explanations that helps me get in touch with my authentic self. That's great. I mean, I, I, like I said, the Odyssey, I think can function as your Bible. There's actually some amazing parallels between the Bible and the Odyssey. There's a foot washing scene at, in one of the most dramatic moments in the Odyssey. If you were raised going to Sunday school, you know, there's a foot washing scene Uh at the, one of the most important parts of the new Testament gospel stories. There's a, part about a, uh, a winnowing fan in the, uh, gospels where John the Baptist says his fan is on his shoulder and he will separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, I see one is coming after me that is mightier than I, this is all celestial. Actually, it's talking about a specific constellation. There's a part in the odyssey, actually, when he goes down to the realm of the dead, where Odysseus is told by Tiresias, well, here's what you have to do. Walk inland with your paddle on your, your oar from your ship on your shoulder until you get to a people who know nothing of the sea and they ask you why you're carrying a fan to winnow grain on your shoulder because it's the same constellation. There's, there's all these parallels between the Odyssey and the Gospels, and yet the Odyssey was probably written down no later than around 700 BC. So it's much earlier. There's lots of parallels between the life of the Buddha in the gospel stories. Um, so if you're more drawn to the story of the Buddha, or if you find your essential self by following the wisdom tradition that's preserved in Buddhism, why should, why, why should you have to explain that to anybody else? Right. That's exactly my point. Uh, and I, I would even go a step further and say, even if you're a science minded individual and you're trying to work out consciousness through scientific methods. I still think you're trying to answer those big questions about who you are. You may argue to the teeth with me about religious things or that's so old and it comes on scrolls. And I've even had people on here. Well, these, these guys put this system together through books and, or that's not old enough or that's too old and we need to evolve and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I, and I would just get so conflicted with all these different messages from all these different experts and all these different fields. Uh, and this is where I'm at now with what you just said. I think everybody's here working this thing out through the method that speaks to them most. And if they're not, it's going to cause pain, suffering, addiction, and things until they get to that where they're, where they're working through it. Whether it's through religion, even science, uh, I even think that atheism people that just don't believe in anything nihilist even we're all in some stage of this process i think yeah and i'm not arguing that anyone needs to use the path of consulting the ancient myths in order to get in touch with them 
their own authentic self. I think you can do that in a lot of ways. The myths speak to I the think, truth to all that, though, right? They, they, it's like they're a resource. I don't know why you wouldn't want to use them, but you don't have to. You could, uh, you know, you could become a martial arts master over decades of training and get in touch with your authentic self and never pick up a myth. Or you could become yoga you know, practitioner or a meditation practitioner, you don't need to use the myths, but <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't want to use the myths. They're right there and they were given to every culture on this planet. Um, but the problem is we've been told that they're t- talking in a different language than what they're really talking in. They're talking in this uh, esoteric language this celestial language and when you try to listen to when you try and force them into being literal i think what actually happens is often their message gets actually inverted gets actually turned upside down i can show some i know we're running out of time i can show some examples (laughs) i've got some blog posts that talk about the inversion the message gets inverted why i'll just briefly say if it's about an external thing then you're chasing after something external to you. It's actually, if you realize it's actually about you, the answer is it's an internal. These are things about you. They're not about an external. If you say, oh, well, in order to follow the Norse myths, then I must have to be, uh, you know, Nordic uh, ancestry. Okay, that's external. See, it's not about that. It's about, it's actually talking about looking beyond the external to the fact that every single person, every single man and woman has this uh, divine nature. Every single person is a gift from the gods. So if you're focusing on the external, you're turning them upside down. If you say, oh, these myths are just about being descended from, you know, this thing, well, I'm descended from Neptune, so yeah, therefore, right. you know, wait a minute, that's not, that's not what it's about. It's it, it's about the internal. It's not about the external. Uh, but if you're chasing after, I mean, the 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 classic example is the Bible that says, well, you have to believe in this uh, figure of Jesus in a literal way in order to be saved. That's an external figure that you're putting your trust in. I think that Jesus is actually a a picture of your essential self. And some people will say, oh my goodness, I need to turn this radio show off right now because that is horrible. Okay. Look, I would say that people people who are searching and have found um, literalist Christianity to have answers for them, they're searching for these same, they're searching for their authentic self. Yeah. There's only one reason why people turn to the Bible. It's because it's full of beauty and truth, I would say. But unfortunately, when it gets externalized, then it can be turned upside down to where you have people going around the world trying to stamp out other people's religions and saying, hey, stop practicing those native practices because those are from the devil and I've got the real answer here. Where those people could say right back to them, oh, didn't you understand? They're all based on the stars. (laughs) Your, 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 your interpretation of that, your, you've got, uh, it's the same actors dressed up in different costumes and, and why are you trying to stamp out my, my uh, actors who are the exact same actors 
They're just dressed in different costumes. It's the exact same constellations that are. Let's just but not go not, through the minds. Let's go around but, it. Yeah, you know? it's but <laughs> it's what, pointing to yeah. it's pointing to these same underlying truths. Right. The story of the story of Samson is pointing to these underlying truths about the human condition, and is no less powerful than the story of Maui from the Pacific is pointing to these truths about the human condition. And so to say that, oh, we got to get rid of the Maui stories because those are uh, false. But I have this literal, true, Samson was this literal, true, literal, true person. And if you don't believe that, then you're, you know, that's why we can stamp out the Maui story and replace it with the Samson story because this one is about an externally, literally true person. You've missed the whole thing, I would argue. You've turned it upside down. Well, I totally agree with you, man. And it's been an absolute fascinating conversation. And look, David talks about a lot of different things too. On uh, If you guys want to check out any show, just search David Matheson on YouTube, any podcast player, go to the website and read his blog posts. I mean, I believe that you're on your, you're on your own journey too, just like you talk about. And uh, the people that go with you on that are going to learn quite a bit, man. Uh, from you and i really appreciate you coming on the, the program again it's been awesome to have you back well thanks so much for having me joe and i would say actually this brings up the, the may a major point don't learn from me i'm pointing towards the myths that's where the answers actually are right. the myths have the answers i'm I, and i'm certainly not a uh enlightened practitioner no, man, you're a guru. Myths, that's it. i the blamed myths. it you're nope, the guru nope. Nope. <laughs> I don't do, I don't do these things so very well, but I know where the answers are. <laughs> I think everybody can see through what you're saying. And, uh, again, uh, to hang out with us late nighters in the void, uh, is a really cool thing. It's really special to all of us either way. And I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, Joe. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it again. And you guys go, please check out the website, David Matheson.com. Also star myth world. Dot com. Don't forget tomorrow night we're going to have another fantastic guest on the show. We're going to be talking about the afterlife, Richard Martini. Uh, if you uh, aren't tired, The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gables coming up next. Don't copy the show without written permission. I love you guys. Love you, Pacho, Don, Dennis, Eric, Jeremy. Thank you all. Good night. Discretion is advised. He was a famous trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a bulky style that no one else could play. He was a top man. 
But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowin' reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. They made him blow a bugle for his uncle. I'm not really brought him down. Tired. Couldn't jam. The captain seemed to understand. Because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band. And now the company jumps when he plays reveille. He's the boogie.